All right, we're live. Um, just hold on to the chat for just a little bit. We'll just make sure we get some people in here and then we'll get started. Um, this is Live Rounds Episode 5. And Jared, I can't even pronounce your name, so if you want to go ahead and give your promise. Uh, it's my, all it's that. my thing anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for those who don't know and those who remember, I am Jared Silberkleit. S I L. B-E-R-K-L-E-I-T. Okay. There you go. <laughs> right off the rip. <laughs> Silver Clyde. There we go. For- On your first it. try. Nailed it. Most formerly, formerly known as Trademark. That's right. Trademark 629. There Former you go. I couldn't, I couldn't remember the numbers. Uh, Are, is your account still like active or you, you, absolutely you deleted it? Absolutely not. Yeah, I didn't Absolutely. think so. Did the big sweep. <laughs> Removed all, all traces of it from the net. Yeah, I yep. feel you. I feel you. Boy, do I we wish did. I still had some of my old subscribers, though. Yeah, exactly, right? Because yeah. that YouTube algorithm is not not your friend. Like it, it you, It's a totally different monster than what it was back then. Oh, absolutely. And not just that, but, you know, um, with Twitter, you know, it was kind of like the early stages of that was like late 09 into the early um, – 2010s and i remember just doing the the clean sweep and starting completely fresh and thinking man if i would have just you know cleansed the content and kept all the followers i would have had a really good starting point kind of you know more than most people could say when they're starting out on the independence yes for sure i mean you watch some of their stuff and when they're promoting their stuff i mean it's they got nothing and it's funny because it's like you're you were already established with a, a a certain group that would have definitely like followed you through if you had that. But like, I feel like we made a massive mistake with TNA addicts as well. Because when we did TNA addicts, like we, I deleted all of our stuff, like all the way up to a certain point. And like, I have no backup. Like I've, I found a couple of videos like on disc and things like that. But like, for the most part, they're gone forever. And um, I, I just wish that like, we would have known that like the bigger picture should have been outside of the wrestling business. Like we exactly. should have been covering wrestling, but not tried to actually get in the business. I think that we would have been way more successful than trying to like get in the business. And for what, like we didn't know we were just kids. We were excited that, you know, a company actually wanted to use us and stuff like that. So we're like, yeah, just throw it all away. Who cares? <laughs> and like, little did we know like the future of YouTube and like how big it would have gotten and the whole nine. So yeah, definitely a regret of ours as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like when you see guys that literally like off of YouTube, it's, it's funny. I, I was talking to um, a, a guy who, uh, who used to be a little bit more active on here where he was saying like, oh, you know, if you, you stuck to what you were doing 10 years ago, that alone might have gotten you booked these days because you see these guys who they're, you know, even if they're, they come at it from like that whole, uh, you know, outsider's perspective where they just want to like, you know, review wrestling or like, you know, cover wrestling in some capacity. There are a lot of companies out there that are going to be interested in that, especially at the independent level where pretty, you know, anybody wants any kind of publicity when you're talking about, you know, promotions like that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So I guess we'll just start with, with you and your, your past and your, future and all that good stuff um so first off what made you want to start making youtube videos in like the first place um 
in the first place, I discovered wrestling uh, pretty. I was kind of late to the game. I didn't start watching wrestling till like oh seven. I know, um, and, and I used to give you crap about it, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so much. So much. <laughs> and now you're in the business, and here I am. Was it like you jump, it. Was it like you jump it on being like, dude, this Chris Masters guy is incredible. Abs- oh, no, man. <laughs> I was, listen, I, listen, my, I, my whole war with him was, is like, how can you tell me how good something was when you didn't live it, right? Like, you right. weren't there for The Rock. You weren't there for WCW. And so, like, I was a, I was a jerk about it, but like, I, I like I said, I've, I've definitely grown and, and learned and had a better perspective on things. But at first, I was cocky too back then. You know, we were <laughs> one of the biggest YouTubers there were. So, like, it was like, who are you well, to tell me anything? You know? And also, in like, in hindsight, that era wasn't. Oh, sorry, no, you were lagging. Um, and no, also, in in, hi- in hindsight, um, like that era of wrestling actually like, wasn't that bad too. Like in comparison to like what we're getting now from that company, it's like. It's like we used to give so much uh, crap to like the like like 2010s era if you were into it during the Attitude Era. Now it's like oh, that actually really wasn't that bad in comparison to what we're seeing now. So, you know, in some ways, you know, that I think that what first captured me was probably that it was like uh, peak in, in some ways, peak Sean and peak Taker in like the mid 2000s around. Very there. true. Yeah, yeah. that's that because that was the first match I ever saw was Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle from Mania 21. Ooh, that's a great wow. match to get you introduced, though. I mean, that's yeah. like that's like it's it's almost all downhill from that match. Like that's, a, that's a great <laughs> I'm watching like I'm watching like Million Dollar Man versus Randy Savage. You right, know what right. I mean? And like t- to me, like but Dude, like I, cool. it's, it's such a Glacier versus Cisco Inferno. Let's go. Oh, all right, <laughs> see you later, Steve. <laughs> No, but like it's such a different perspective because you're watching it as like ring work is actually important. And back then when I started watching it, it was just about wins and losses, bad guys and good guys. None of that stuff. Yeah, it was about being a star. I mean, that, that yep. was, yeah, that was what it was. And, it, and you know, you hear people say like, oh, like when it was most like, you know, obviously like, you know, like showboaty and, and like characters front and center was when the people buying tickets for it seemed to believe it was real the most. 100%. And then it get you know, this is what Jim Cornette rants and raves about that. Like, yep. you know, it's gone completely 180 in both directions where it's like the dudes are like, you know, out there like working stiffer and getting legitimately hurt. And the people there are all kind of like in on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And, and so like, I'm not sure on your perspective, and we'll we'll get into that because I definitely want to know how your perspective in wrestling has changed since you've actually gotten into the business. Sure. Um, but so, anyways, what made you want to become a YouTube a guy to review wrestling stuff like that? What made you fall in love with wrestling? You did say your first match you saw was Sean and um, Angle, so just going from there. Like, how did you get introduced to it? Like, who showed you Sean versus Angle? Like, how did that happen? Right. Um, was at a family friend's house, um, and the uh, their son was into wrestling. He just kind of had it on. Um, it was, I think it might've been like one of those AM raw reruns. So I had the commercial breaks and stuff like that, but I just remember um, seeing it that way. And, and then from there, um, my, when my dad started seeing my stepmom, her son was also um, a diehard wrestling fan, like religiously raw every week. So, you know, we were over the house and I started watching with him and I kind of got into it. Uh, favorites initially were Sean and, Cena. Yeah, I was John Cena from uh, from the jump, you know, and, and nice. it's funny because obviously around that time, you know, get started on the Internet, you know, that was when he was the most hated uh, by yep. the Internet, the diehard Internet community. Um, but how this leads into YouTube is, uh, you know, a couple of years 
a couple of years go by and um, I mean, I'm in high school starting to get more just involved, like, you know, kind of uh, searching the web for all sports um, and entertainment related content. And I come across uh, a couple of YouTube reviewers. I think it was uh true slayer and uh, dirty white boy were the uh, first couple. And yeah. um, I just would, I think uh, dirty white boy was actually the first one I subscribed to. And after watching his videos for a few months, I kind of just, you know, looked at my computer setup and I was like, Hey, I have a crappy webcam. I can review wrestling. Why not? So I took a stab at it. And I was watching. Um, it, it was funny because uh, I started to kind of uh, like discover TNA around, uh, I would say, late 08. And I and I felt like, ooh, it's not just WWE. So I got like, you know, a lot of different stuff to talk about. So um, that's how it kind of got started. It was like late, I think late 08, early 09, where my first, uh, you know, was my first foray into YouTube. And then I met uh, Big Rat 310 um a couple months uh after i got started and he kind of introduced me to a lot of you guys and like you know the community at large helping me to like you know get more subscribers because you network on there and yep. you comment you share each other's videos all that stuff and i really i mean first of all it was, it was a community of like of new like you know uh, i guess internet pen pals to you know chat wrestling with and and also discover new wrestling so um, I'm very thankful for the experience, um, probably uh, mostly because it helped me discover all the different um, wrestling that was out there. I mean, I wouldn't have known what ROH was. I wouldn't have known what PWG was. I wouldn't have known anything about Japanese wrestling or any of that stuff. I, I would have just known WWE, and I had a few friends in high school who also watched Impact because it was on Spike. But that would have been it. Yeah, that's definitely – and see, what's funny is like our – YouTube journey, I guess you would say, is like we didn't really want to be pen pals with people and like we didn't really embrace the community. We only really cared about pushing TNA. Like right. our our motives were completely different in a sense of like we were just really pissed off WWE fans that found an alternative. Right. And so like our goal was to just push that. And honestly, like, I regret that. I really, I really wish I'd embraced the community more. I really wish that it, I didn't look at it as such like a, a war and so competitive. And like, I need like um, everyone to open their eyes to TNA and only TNA. And like, right, you know, like right. there were so many other stuff out there that I didn't see and that I was crapping on and I wasn't watching. And there, there's just a lot of things like that that. I think that it could have definitely been better if we would have had a different approach. But I mean, you you you're young. You 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 learn as you go. Well, sure, and I think that the landscape of wrestling was so different back then because, like, you didn't have the interconnectivity of everything, and it was really easy for you know if you're talking about like you know in the U.S., it's very easy to kind of look at it as just that WWE or TNA. It's either like you know us or them kind of mentality. Where, you know, like those are like, that's the only kind of wrestling that's really available to you. You know, the accessibility of international wrestling wasn't quite what it is right now. And the closest thing to like, you know, a number three at that time, you know, obviously Ring of Honor, their exposure, their presentation was different back then too. So if you're talking like about the time you guys got started on YouTube, it was like very easy to kind of just, oh, we, we've been stuck with WWE for so long, and fuck, there is something else, but only that yeah. other, that one other thing. You know, it was it right. was harder back then to kind of like expand the lens to the entire world of wrestling. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like even 
like streaming and all that stuff had not taken off yet. Like the ROH was like one of the right. first ones to do something like that. And you could only watch your computer and there were no apps. There were no ways to sure. watch it on your TV. And like people would plug in their laptop to their TV and stuff like that. It was like the best you could do. And now oh, yeah, that, that was like, considered a foreign thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. and you had to use like the like the VGA. Remember, like the blue yeah. cable it wasn't even HDMI; it's just whatever would hook up to your TV. Yeah. Like googling how to do it and all that yeah. stuff. You know? you know, you know, it's it's so funny how like you know Roku now is such a thing, right? And, yep. and back then it was like, oh, well, if you get this Roku box thing, you can stream the the computer to the TV. <laughs> and you're like, what? How does that work? What? I'm not I'm not plugging in all this crap. I'm not like you know. Uh, and then it's like, like I have to pay like a hundred <laughs> bucks for this thing. Like what? Exactly. Like, yeah. It's like oh, the pay per view only costs fifteen bucks, but it costs two hundred bucks worth of equipment. <laughs> well, and then when you see Roku, like you just think it's some cheap piece of crap that they're pushing, and then right. you know it's taken off to be this huge thing. So yeah, now yeah, it's, it's, an eight, it's built into TVs. Yeah. yeah, it's funny now because it's like if you hear about a good independent match or whatever, there's probably a way to watch it now. And before like that mm -hmm. was just completely unheard of. So, and who wants to just buy DVDs to watch a show because so many of them can be misses too, you know? And so like, if you're trying to be like a loyal fan and you're just going to buy literally every DVD, like it, it was just such a different time back then. There was such oh, yeah. a delay too on that. Like you had yes. to buy like, like the pay-per-view would be like three months old or whatever by the time you actually got it from like high spots or off video or whatever you're buying off of or whatever japanese show truth truth slayer was pushing that was making me want to watch japanese wrestling back then like you had to yeah it was it was such a delay now you can either watch it live or just find it right after you hear about it it's wild people have it so easy now as wrestling fans they really oh, do absolutely. that's why they're spoiled complaining whining brats now but you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> comes with the territory <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, when you have access to things, the more access you have, the less appreciation you have for it. Like, honestly, it, it is the easiest things come by. Now it's just like, well, why wasn't that in better quality? Or, you know, like you're just going to nitpick the crap out of it because it's just what yeah. you're used to getting. It's easy to lament about, about what you don't have. And then like, you, you, once your expectations have been raised, then like, you know, the floor is higher. As far as you're concerned, and, and you're like, all right, well, now I have I have this level of expectation for the presentation. Yeah, this gym guy knows a lot about you. I don't know. He says, huh. first off, he says, uh, have you watched Masawa versus Kobashi yet from 1993? 93. Oh man, you know what? <laughs> I probably haven't. I recall. Yeah. I recall two Masawa Kobashi matches I saw. One was Halloween '98, and the other was March first, two thousand three. Yeah, I can recall those, but yeah, probably not '93. Watch Masawa Kawada '94. So, have you squashed your beef with Mike Bennett yet? Um, it may have recently been renewed in Tampa oh. because okay. I was I was called out for. Uh, not wearing a belt uh, with my dress shorts, so uh, oh. maybe 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 we've got some new beef over that. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but no, Bennett and I. Um, uh, honestly, it's uh, with I'd say him and uh, I'd say him and Matt Taven were the main two uh, demons that I had to confront uh, when I first uh, you know entered the business uh, because after like you know. That was kind of my first experience of like, you know, man, I, I was like, 
you know, reviewing wrestling and a couple guys that I was probably like, you know, harder on um, and didn't get it at the time. Uh, not only, um, you know, you work alongside these people, but like, I mean, um, like Bennett, I've seen frequently over the years and I think he's a wonderful guy. R- truly like wonderful guy to hang out with. Be around. Seems like a good dude. Yeah. So yeah. I've been so, seeing, I saw, I've been seeing him popping up in like New South and Alabama lately and stuff too. Like, uh, yeah, rest, he wrestled Dan Housen not too long ago and Dan Housen said it was like the best match he's ever had. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he has really a great mind for wrestling. Actually, I, I should mention this. I trained with Bennett for, um, a little bit. So the school that I went to, he was a, um, a head trainer at, and it was just as he was going to WWE. So I, I kind of came in at like the tail end. I only got to go to maybe a couple of classes that he was running. But man, he really does have a great mind for wrestling that I think is very underappreciated. Like he, he's really great at just spotting those like opportunities to like you know get the most out of a particular moment it's like hey like don't rush through this particular sequence because like there's there's a chance to milk it and like really get the reaction out of the people and that's the way he thinks that's the way his mind works uh, when it comes to wrestling and uh i I wish that i got to spend more time with him um on that level but again like you know he was he was on his way to wwe right around the time that i was uh starting to go to the classes so but at least it lined up for a couple dates yeah, that's so cool. Let's, so say now that you've done the YouTube thing, what made you decide that you actually wanted to get into the business? And did you want to become a wrestler or did you always eye being like a manager? Um, neither. I actually got into it initially not thinking I was really going to seriously pursue it. Uh, there was an independent uh, that was in um, basically my hometown in Connecticut uh, that's now defunct. Um, but it was they were running shows uh, down the street from my high school. And um uh, basically they, um, uh, I wanted to get into sports announcing. I wanted to get into, uh, like, uh, yeah, for like, like ESPN was the dream job when I was in high school. And, uh, I figured, Oh, I'll get like ring announcing uh, for this local wrestling promotion. That'll be good. Like public speaking experience could be fun. I like wrestling. So I'm doing that for a few years. Um, then that leads into other speaking related roles such as interviewing and, um, you know, all that other stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, Northeast Wrestling, the promotion that I was uh, mainly working for, um, there was a manager that they were using who, out of nowhere, just uh, got hurt a week before the show. And I already kind of you know, had the experience, so, you know, in front of the crowd with the mic. And um promoter kind of went to me and was like, hey, I'm um, going to give you a shot, see if you can do this. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. I've never cut a promo before, but sounds cool. And um, the character really just seemed to click uh, right off the rip. This was like four four years ago, um, had uh, two shows in one weekend to get it started. Um, it caught on. It, it was fun. It felt natural. And it was just kind of off to the races from there. That, w- that was really the – so to answer your question, before that, I kind of figured, okay, this is something fun I can do on the side, but I didn't envision a career. But once I started managing, which kind of fell into my lap, all of a sudden my perspective totally changed, and I was like, wow, like I – this is a brand I can build. This is something to really go off of now. Let me see how far I can take it. That's cool. So was it always supposed to be, I don't know, million dollar man, MJF, whatever type of person you want to compare it to? Was that always like, did they tell you that's what they wanted you to do? Or did you like learn 
like this is actually better for me, a better fit? Like, how did that go? Um, so initially, the the background to why I the kayfabe reason that I was going to be managing was, oh, uh, say that your, uh, your your trust fund kicked in and you decided to buy all these wrestlers or uh, whatever. But initially, I was kind of told, like, I have kind of this knack in real life. If you couldn't tell, Doug, for getting <laughs> under people's skin. Oh, you know, boy. Always, yes, I've sir. Always, I have always been a an instigator, a button pusher. You know, I'm like a real life heel. Like, my, my own, I'm just like... <laughs> I've kind of always like gotten this sick pleasure out of just being that guy in the group who would say something and then everyone would just go, really, really? And everyone just kind of groan. And like, so I was told initially, I was like, you know, like just go out there and just like, just be you, you know, don't like the, the whole like flashy suits and the over the top presentation that came with time. But initially, um, if you go back, like, um, don't know how much footage is, uh, I mean, it's, it's on the high spots network, but like when I first got started, I was wearing like a regular suit. I kind of just was like, it was very straightforward. Um, I wasn't trying to be this gimmick right off the rip. Um, but the more I started like thinking about the whole like trust fund, rich guy thing, the more I started to, you know, really want to like, you know, keep going a little bit more over the top with it and really like lean into the gimmick. Um, but it definitely, it did not happen automatically. I think I let it like organically build up to the more, uh, cartoonish aspects. Um, and not only that, but like in, in real life, I've kind of just like, and really as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized that I have this like attraction to just money and financial freedom. And I've used that to kind of like parlay it into the character. And again, it's just, it's just not something that like you can just, um, flip the switch like the from the first time out you got to let it kind of organically grow over time um but i guess to compare if i had to, to answer the question about how it all started i would compare it to kind of uh, if you heard the undertaker on uh rogan's podcast yeah, um i believe I it was when yeah when, when vince called him up and said is this the undertaker yeah right. that's kind yeah. of he found kind out of, himself that he was talking about him yeah right 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 so <laughs> So that's really how it began. You know, somebody had an idea, but I, you know, in it, like the, the spark, the initial like thought, and then I kind of ran with it, made it my own. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I mean, to like put things into perspective, like you've like done stuff with like Mick Foley and like what Bubba Ray and like yes. multiple people. Like, uh, I mean, we're not talking about like just some hole in the wall indie where there's like no stars or no anything. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I mean, like props to you. Yeah. It's badass. Congratulations. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really was thrown into the ringer right off the bat because, uh, it's funny. Uh, Northeast wrestling is my home base. Um, and they, they do, you know, their shows, uh, they, they do shows of varying scope. There are some shows that, um, are intentionally designed to spotlight some uh, more like, you know, talent that's local to the area or non TV guys that are just like really hot on the independent scene. It's definitely like, you know, a higher level promotion, uh, no matter the, the event, but there's certain shows that are kind of designed more uh, to attract more of like the independent wrestling um, fan base. And then there's others that are, you know, larger scale, more television talent, either current, recent, former, what have you. And my first two shows in 2017 were, were a couple of those like larger scale events in front of these bigger crowds. So it's like, I better put up or shut up. It was like thrown right into the wolves. Um, so uh, it was definitely trial by fire. 
So what's it like to be hated? Like, <laughs> is it the best feeling in the world or is it like somewhat nerve wracking at first or like, how did that go? Oh, it's wonderful. I relish it. it it's yeah. so much, it's so much fun uh, because I feel like I've, I've always felt like the, the hate is for the right reasons. And I will right. get people, I will get people coming up to me, you know, they're booing me for fun. And then like, whether it's at intermission or after the show, you know, people are coming up like, Oh my God, like you're so much fun to boo. Like, you know, I love the character. Um, and it just, it's like when you just knowing that you can like say or do something and get that whole shower of booze from an arena or a stadium. And it's yeah. like, it, it really is like a life force. You know, I, I just like feed off of it. And it's like, you feel that energy knowing that you like said or did something to make that many people feel a certain way all at the same time. Like that's, I mean, I think that that's that high that, you know, you hear from um, all, you know, from all these people within wrestling over the years saying that like you get hooked on it and that that's like what keeps you, that's, that's the biggest kind of motivation you could ever ask for just knowing that you can evoke that kind of emotion out of people. So um, how does it feel if someone actually is cheering for you? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. Um, I mean, it's happened here. Do you feel like you fail? Like, do you feel like that if, if that happened, like how, how do you take that? Because we know as heels, all the smart marks usually end up liking the heels because they're more entertaining. They, it just depends on how the presentation is. But so like when I go to a live show, I don't want to boo a heel because, You know, like I'm a fan, but in the same sense, a lot of them are saying like, we want you to boo us because we're heels. So like, mm. how does, how do you feel about that? Well, I've, I've always kind of tried to walk that line and it is definitely something difficult. I think that every like heel in wrestling ever since the NWO has um, dealt with that. Yeah. The idea that like, you know, it, it's, it's hard, you know, the, fa- the fan base is very educated and it's just hard to boo somebody that you genuinely enjoy watching perform um you know th- this is a talk that i had with with my with uh well my uh a former ally now arch rival uh, a wrecking ball that i used to tell him you know when we're running together it's like you're this big scary monster but you also do it's like you know you do all this physically impressive stuff that it's hard for people to want to boo you because it's like yeah that was cool to see him like flatten that guy like a pancake um, right <laughs> On my end, I've always like, I feel like for the most part, um, I've, I feel like I've done that good enough job of, uh, you you know, never crossing that territory, um, into being like a cool heel. I feel like I've always been just like that, like antagonistic little runt that like, you know, is fun to boo, but, but nobody really wants to cheer for. I mean, I, um, I think that I've, I've always tried to never like present the character as being like definitely never like cooler than the opposing baby face, but I've definitely, you know, with the variety of shows that I've performed on, um, you know, obviously, uh, at certain levels, you know, like, you know, you've got different kinds of talent in different places and depending on the, on the way a particular show is going, um, there have definitely been instances where I'll come out and, and, you know, just start, you know, healing on the crowd, healing on the baby. And, um, you know, sometimes I get a little bit of applause. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that that is most often not the case. Yeah. Uh, but, but when it, when it's happened, I, you know, if depending on the flow of a certain show, um, I would say at, at the, at the higher level places I've worked, that's never happened. 
Um, but in, in certain other places, you know, when uh, it's just, you know, contingent on like, you know, the, again, the type of show it is and, uh, you know, how it's going um, or, and the type of crowd as well. I mean, sometimes, you know, you get there and the, and the crowd's, you know, feeling a little nice if it's an alcohol friendly event. Um, uh, you, know, you, you never know how I actually had this one. It's funny. I did this one show in a bar one time where uh, there was a live band there and, um, you know, I, I kind of I, I gave him a little nudge before the show. I was like, oh, hey, if I if I say something, you'll. Um, if I, you know, deliver a line you like, if you give me a drum line, I think that'd be kind of funny. And they got way too carried away with it. I mean, like they're basically hijacked by promo to play the drums the whole time. So Whoa. that's what I, that's what I get. Um, nice. but- <laughs> I, I, I got a scenario for you. I'd, I'd like your opinion on. So uh, there's a smaller indie show. I'm not going to name the name of the company because I don't want to like, you know, throw them under the bus for this. And I just want your opinion. So it's a smaller show. Um, there's maybe... 20 to 30 people there. So the fact, so any fan that says anything is projected, like everyone's going to hear it. Um, There is a fan that goes to this company. I see that person at every show when I watch the show, when I stream it, or if I'm there live, Um, I might give it away. Some of these companies saying that I'm there live, but, (laughs) um, but the, um, it's a, it's a fan that, that buys a ticket to go to every single show. So it's like a, it's a fan that loves the product. And this fan has been cheering for this heel that they've been trying to get over. Like, and she keeps, mm. she or he keeps cheering for this person. Um, the promoter eventually came out and like told her to stop cheering for this person because they were trying to get this heel over. How wow. do you feel about that? Like, cause I, cause my perspective is like, she bought a ticket or he, she or he bought a ticket. She, he or binary or non-binary. We don't, we don't know what gender this person is. Bought it, buy, <laughs> buys a right, ticket, right. To ev- buys a ticket to every show. But like now the promoter is like kind of telling this person, like you're, we don't want you to actually express how you feel about the show. We just want you buying tickets and, and keep coming to the show. Like, is, I, I want your opinion on that. If, like if that was happening to you, would you want that person to shut up because like you're trying to get over the heel or did that person buy a ticket so like they can say whatever they want? Uh, they bought a ticket. They can say whatever they want. I mean, they're a fan. They're not on the payroll. I mean, like if you, if you as a talent or a promoter are upset about a particular reaction that somebody is getting, it's on you to change the presentation, figure out right. like, why, wh- why are they reacting this way? How can I change the way they're reacting? Because you're the creators. They're the consumers. They're there to buy, you know, you know, is Apple going to, you know, if somebody is like saying the iPhone sucks is like, you know, um, is whoever the CEO of Apple, what is it, Tim Cook? Is he going to go, you know, rank on the guy and, and be like, no, like you can't be doing this, you know, like why are you, you can't crap on the iPhone anymore, you know? Right. You, no, it, it doesn't work that way because they don't have an, like consumers don't have an obligation to, um, you know, in the context of a performance of a wrestling show, they don't have any obligation to react a certain way. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I, I'm just interested yeah. in how you feel about that. That's, yeah. yeah. It's just an interesting scenario. It would would get great. Yeah, it's interesting on those. Yeah, if if it's a smaller scale promotion and like, you know, with um, and and again, there are certainly fans that go too far. But oh, sure. I'm talking like this is this is strictly like cheering. This isn't like saying anything out of out of line. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I, I think it's just a case of like, you know. Um, the due to the scope of this event, if it is drawing only 30 people, that person is just going to be heard more. And to that, I say, work on how we can draw more than 30 people to the building. Right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. it's it. So 
you said that you actually ran into some incidences where people might have saw you do reviews or something like that when you got into the business or like how did that or they found out you did YouTube videos like how did that work? Um, there's been some fans that would come up to me and bring it up and be like, Oh, I used to watch you on YouTube back in the day. Um, uh, or I would like read reviews, uh, online. Um, I think it was, it was funny when I made a couple dates for ROH, I, I think I, um, went through like a forum and someone was like, Oh yeah, I recognize that manager. That's that nerd that used to review wrestling a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. but, but there, but also a few workers as well. There's definitely, I've definitely shared locker rooms with a few people, um, who, uh, were familiar with uh, the content uh, from back in the day. Again, particularly like Taven and Bennett were the most uh, noteworthy. Uh, Taven, of course, became my primary trainer trainer uh, later on. Uh, so uh, it was it was definitely something that like you know it you know we've, we've talked about it, we joke about it now. Um, uh, I call him a two star Taven uh, just to you know poke fun at it. But <laughs> <laughs> so did you used to crap on him, and then he had a problem with it, or how did well, that well, go? Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, he, he used to. I mean, um, I oh, think look, that, were you rating him two stars? Then he wound up training under him. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. I used oh, to. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, that's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know what the two star because I've because exactly. I, I have I've been watching Matt Taven for a long time myself, so I could understand others maybe being like two stars like because he hasn't had right. all these great matches like especially during ring of honors like he you were saying this and then you went up training with the yes, guys That's exactly hilarious. there was yeah early 20 you have chop day or any of that <laughs> <laughs> he could have he- he could have taken. He could have been a lot uh, worse with me. That's for sure. I, I feel like gotcha. I got off easy on a number of occasions. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but but yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd say him and uh, yeah, him and Mike Bennett were probably the ones I had to like most again directly confront um, you know, in terms of like because uh, um, because again I was around them all the time because they were like Northeast regulars and you know Taven yeah. still is you know, around a good um, good amount of those events. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, like, and then there's been other standalones, uh, standalone names. Um, I think, uh, I mean, uh, some people were, were complimentary uh, to my surprise. Uh, guys who used to work the Indies years ago, like, uh, and and may and may still do, like Black G's and uh, Grand Akuma. I know, like, we're familiar with it if you guys are, know those names. But um, it was like, a, I mean, I'd say it was like a here and there, but it was more like during those earlier years. So actually, it's been kind of a relief for me that that was when, again, I kind of was just dipping my feet in wrestling. Wasn't getting too involved. This is yeah. like, you know, mid-2010s era. Um, and then by the time I started managing, most of most of those potential awkward situations uh, have dissipated. So <laughs> nice. I probably get nice. more from fans than anything. So I guess what I want to know is like, how has your perspective in wrestling changed? Like so many people say when they get into the business, they're no longer fans. Mm. Um, can you watch wrestling and still enjoy it? Is it, um, do you enjoy it in a completely different way now? Like, can you tell, can you tell when something like was done really well or when they totally messed up and other people don't see stuff like that? Or like, how do you, how do you view it now? Um, I def- definitely that last part is a little bit more apparent to me um, uh, watching it back. Um, you know, if I'm ever like I, I went to WrestleMania this year on my own volition um, because I am still a fan. I, okay. I, I, I'd say I just enjoy it in a different way. Um, my tastes have definitely changed over the years. You know, when it, it's actually really funny. I, I've mentioned this to some people, particularly uh, my some of my closest friends, how when I first got into um, independent wrestling, and again, I credit YouTube for helping me discovering, uh, you know, the indies and all that good stuff. You know, I was so blown away 
by um, the that style of the like late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, and it, where like, you know, I, the more the merrier, you know, I, I wanted to see that 30 or 40 minute match with like all these kickouts and, and every false finish under the sun. And don't get me wrong, there's certainly a place for stuff like that. But it's really, I've really just kind of come to value, you know, the emotional aspect of wrestling. Is the crowd invested? You know, is the story cohesive? Uh, does the match feel complete? Is it like the right, is it the right package? You know, I've re- really, um, the less is more um, has probably been the number one thing that's sunk in for me because my involvement in wrestling is, you know, in terms of my involvement in a, in a particular match is going to be minimal. So it's like, I better make my moments count. Um, and just knowing that, like, I guess when I'm out there, knowing that I've got a smaller part to play in a match or in a segment than, you know, the wrestlers most of the time, it's like, I better make, I better make all that time count. And if there's any small thing I do that doesn't get over, you know, that bothers me. And then I think about like what, what, what I could have done better. Um, so taking that, you know, perspective into consideration, it just, now I watch wrestling just thinking like, you know, that, that tight package, that no wasted motion, uh, is really most intriguing to me um, in terms of like how um, I guess how I like value like you know what I enjoy nowadays um, yeah. and I definitely think it's really funny how it's like I again getting into the super indie thing and then entering the business to be this cartoonish over the top manager character that, right. that you know <laughs> it's like you couldn't be more polar opposite right um, yeah but I, I'd say that I, I'm still I still have I think enough of a varied taste. Um, there's a good, there's some of the stuff I used to like that I don't like so much anymore. And then there's stuff I didn't like before that I like now. Yeah. So I guess you're more of like a fan of reactions and seeing how things play out than more so the actual match itself. I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, I've, I've got like a strong, you know, I got, I still got that. I don't think that like, I think that we all got into wrestling for, you know, match related payoffs, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, but it's like, it's when it all, it's, I like, now it's like, I look for matches to be that complete package of not only having the, the action and the work, but also like the well-told story, how it all comes together, making sure the ending is right. Because it's like, I think that's that's probably another thing that's grown over the years is like really the finish can make or break just about anything because you think about it like you know when you go to the movies you can watch a movie that's like really really good for the first 90 percent, and if that ending sucks you're gonna walk out of it feeling like man what the you're not reflecting on all the good stuff you saw for the hour and a half prior to that you're reflecting on that terrible ending yeah yeah so so you, you you know you get a match that has the right finish and it's like you know, even if it's not, you know, the greatest, you know, uh, most classic match of all time, if it leaves you with that satisfying payoff, you're the way that you're going to look back and remember it. I mean, you know, think about like um, there, there's plenty of matches in wrestling history that are you know evident of this. I would say like, you know, the first Austin Rock clash at WrestleMania, right? Not their best match, but what a moment at the end, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess. So with the COVID era um Mm. how much do you think the wrestling business has learned how important crowds are oh so much 
so, so much. I mean, if, uh, if it wasn't apparent beforehand, I mean, like, wow. You know, I personally. Uh Oh, we lost Jared. We lost Jared and he was just getting into something. It's okay. We'll We'll see see if if we can uh, bring him back. Yeah. We'll give them a couple minutes here, y'all. This would be a good time to let y'all know if uh, if you're in here, please hit that like button on the video. It helps us out a lot. Uh, y'all been doing great about hitting that thumbs up. And we got Jared back. Sorry about that, Sorry, guys. Jared. I, yeah, okay. I got, booted, got booted off for a second. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, COVID, crowds and wrestling. Um, yeah. I think that there's been some there's been some creativity in the last year and a half, to say the least. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, hit um, hit and miss. Yes. You know, it's been it was a difficult time. It was a yeah. difficult time. Personally, I am in the camp of everybody did what they had to do. They had to, they did what they had to do to to make do with the circumstances. Personally, I don't view a lot of there. There's a good amount of what we saw that personally, I, I think it was like a okay, it was fine to get by, but really. Let's get back to what makes wrestling great, and that is the live crowd because it's live entertainment. And you're the, the whole idea of like just the way wrestling is presented. It, it's centered on working the crowd into a frenzy. And yeah. when you when you watch AEW Double or Nothing a couple weeks yep. ago, how much of a difference did that crowd make? Oh yeah, it that was explosion massive. right off the jump. First yes. match, first match felt like a main event because they were reacting like it was a main event. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that uh, was it. Riho and Serena Deeb match, like the place yeah. was going, and it was a great match. But like the place was going nuts. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And then they had Brian Cage and Adam Page, and I mean, you're talking yeah. unbelievable energy. Yeah, of course. And it, and it's like what what people forget is you know they want to say like, well, AEW's ratings hasn't changed much and all that stuff, but like. Dude, the crowd is a huge part of like like they're lucky that they were able to mostly maintain throughout because I'm telling you like when you go to an AEW show live like I've been like the crowd it's it's almost attitude era like like they are emotionally invested they are in this thing 100%. This is not like oh so and so came out and you know whatever. Yay, you know like um and that's what was so brutal about watching them go to Daly's place every single week is mm. after a while, you can only sing along with Jericho so long and all that other stuff. <laughs> and it just, it all got old. And, and now like, I feel like it's been on standstill and come July, like everything is just about to get ramped up. Absolutely. And it's, it's good for all business. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. even in Texas here, the Indies are starting to kind of take off and I'm getting excited. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, just maybe like 300 people go into shows, but it's a big difference. And and people are starting to feel comfortable doing that again. And so I, I just think that, like, I feel like a crowd has always never it's never really been appreciated now to where I think it will be after this. I think that the fans and the wrestlers will have an even better relationship after this, just because I, I think they both understand how important each one is to one another, you know? Oh I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think that you're really going to personally, I think for at least a while, the whole idea of people going to shows to hijack them or like, 
you know, when, when you see those or people that are just kind of like complacent being there, like, oh, I guess I'll like, you know, go to the show tonight, whatever. And they're kind of sitting on their hands. I think that people who are going to these shows are going to be amped up. They're going to be loud. I think it's going to be like that for concerts. I think it's going to be like that for sporting events just across the board, um, all over the place as things begin to open up. Because people, people are, are, they're just, they're, they're ready. You know, it, it's just yep. been long. It's been long enough. I feel like people are going to ready, ready to, you know, break out of their cages a little bit. Um, the one thing, the one positive thing I will say about the COVID about COVID era for wrestling is promos. I think that the promos for a lot of people improved drastically um, because, uh, first of all, when you're you know sometimes you're in front of a live crowd, you know even though you got this microphone in your hand, it's easy to get like you know whether it's you know nerves or overexcitement. You know you start like you know talking really loudly and you know you don't really like get to like settle down, relax and really just like sink into what you want to portray. And, and you, if you listen to those, I think it really started with those promos heading into WrestleMania last year where um, edge and Orton around that time. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing some great work because they were able to just talk lower and slower. They were just, you know, able to really like, you know, that, that muted tone that might've, you know, to a live crowd might get drowned out. Um, I think Roman Reigns yes, really, you know, 100%. yeah, character through the roof, yeah. right? Amazing. One hundred percent. Yeah. And even like I think someone like Britt Baker as well. Like sure. it, it, to not have to basically to turn heel, but like not have to deal with necessarily the onslaught of the crowd and just mm-hmm. kind of be able to focus on her character by the time that the crowd came she had already like got to a point to where she was comfortable and that probably wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have happened as fast if it wasn't for that. But I mean, definitely with Roman, like Roman, Roman really knows how to deliver his lines, talk like at a certain pace, talk slow, talk loud, talk soft, whatever, like all of it's working. I am curious to see how he will handle live crowds again because everything is really like keyed up. And one thing also is like when it comes to like the COVID pay-per-views and stuff, like sure. I felt like a lot of them were like storytelling, but like talking like they talked because it was a different way to kind of present it because there is no crowd. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like how that they um, bounce back and, and, and kind of see what changes that they've done will actually stick and what won't and all that. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I think at least, uh, you know, just from my experience, like being at WrestleMania, I think that um, uh, particularly like Roman, it was, uh, I think that the crowd um, was, it seemed like they were reacting to him in, uh, in, in the sense that like, you know, for, it was, like that good kind of heel heat that you wanted where people kind yeah. of still um, like they're booing him, but it wasn't out of like legitimate, like hatred, but like, right. when, and and then when he won, it was, there was definitely like, I think a feeling that night of like, you know, yeah. Like this, this feels right. He feels like the guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it came across to me at least. Well, and like too, and like to me, the independence. I don't know about you, Stephen, but what sure. I notice is like whenever 
I go to a show, I can tell who's a heel and a face whether I know who they are within five seconds. A- like absolutely, well, and, and that's it's gonna, yeah. Well, they, and that's and they, they got to do that. And Jared will attest to this because, like, they're depending on which territory or promotion they're in, they're a heel or a baby face, and it's gonna be flip flopping. So, like, a lot of the time, like, someone might be a heel in Alabama, but they're a baby face in Georgia. So, like, they mm-hmm. have to make that connection immediately because it doesn't matter if they know you from somewhere else. You might be a totally different. You might be going for a totally different reaction at this other company. I will tell you that that is something that people are told at schools, at seminars, till they're blue in the face, that, like, you have to establish that right off the bat. And I, and I think that, like, that is probably the – probably something that gets taken for granted a lot on the independence, and that's something that gets – it's an oversight um, among – talent sometimes is that you know really that's that's the most important thing get your character over i mean the the great matches are they're gonna come but you know you want to leave the people thinking like yeah so and so is a star that's that's the most you can do for yourself and your brand there's a time for i mean and every i mean yeah everybody's in love with the art of wrestling It, it gets talked about so much these days but it's like really like as far as like you know advancing going where you want to go you know be a star get yourself over yeah let the make make sure the people know exactly who you are yeah i i feel like we're in such a weird transition from like the old school to the new school and like which one will stick because I feel like there's definitely the Cornette fans right and there's definitely the ones of like the old school way that Everything is, but like what I have a problem with him is, is like all the secrets have been revealed. And so you can't act like that they're not. And yet like he's upset because they're not doing exactly what they did in the 80s to protect the business. And it's like, it's all been revealed at this point. So you have to approach it in a different way. And for like me... When I go to a live event, I want a Young Bucks match. I want a Will Ospreay type match. I sure. want something like that. That's why I would pay a ticket. Um, not necessarily to hear like a rock promo or something like that, but like people right. were invested in the storyline so much that they, and this is another thing too, and I think people forget is like social media wasn't around back then, right? And so like when you got to see these people just, in the stands it was like your one and only shot to see them like oh wow i saw them you know if i ran into a wrestler like at like the airport in atlanta or something i was like it was like it was like literally running into like a cartoon characters it was like something that just never happened yeah once in a lifetime chance meeting exactly exactly and then like i'll be at an expo and I'll see like a major wrestler right there and I'll just be like, Oh, I'll take my picture. And then I'll just go on my, with my way. But like back then I would have given anything just to see them from seats in the nosebleeds. Right. And so it's just a different thing now. And like it, and then they're like, well, that's not really over then, or that doesn't draw money. But like, it's hard to go back to the way that it was. And so like, I think that, wrestling's in a weird state to where it has evolved but like you can't make it look hokey and corny and like insult their intelligence 
Yes. But you also have to acknowledge the fact that they're kind of in on the gig and they understand how this thing works. Sure. And I, I mean, I think that it's definitely like what is defined as protecting the business now has kind of, you know, the definitions changed a little bit just with how many people are, are doing stuff like this on podcasts. I mean, the freaking undertaker was on Joe Rogan a few weeks ago, a, a month right. ago. Right. Yeah, you know? right. And, and granted, you know, he's transitioned out, uh, but it's like, not only, you know, is he, you know, at that point in his career, but, but it's also like kind of what the people wanted from him at this stage. So it's kind of like adapting. And, and you know, for 20 years ago, it was to become the American badass, right? So, yeah, yeah it, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. I mean, I, I do think that like the – when I think about like, you know, protecting the business, I, I just think that just comes to like, you know, believing in yourself and believing in your character. You know, it's like – I mean – uh, are the Young Bucks and Will Ospreay like phenomenal athletes? Absolutely, they, they do unbelievable things in the ring. Sure, but they like they're also like you know you again you know exactly who they are. They do it with a certain flair, a certain you know bravado, and like you know they got that aura about them. And it's all about creating that aura, you know. I mean, and there's different ways of doing it, but like you know you do it to a high enough level. I mean, that to me that's protecting the business. It's just being a superstar and like, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the peel back the curtain stuff doesn't go too far in some places. Um, I think that like, again, it depends on the setting. It's very situational. Um, but I do think that like, you know, too far to one side uh, is bad, right? Like you got to have balance. Um, I do think that Cornette is a little, um, he seems to be kind of like a two sour grapes these days, negative for the sake of being negative, almost turning into a shock jock. I think it's so hilarious. I think yeah. it's so. I think it's so hilarious that the most like long running backstage rivalry, right, in wrestling, is <laughs> like Russo. Jim Cornette versus Vince Russo. <laughs> yeah. Whose way is right? And where are they now? <sighs> They're both whining on <sighs> podcasts about said you know concept yeah. of, of yeah. what the way to go. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, yeah they've taken sure. their stances on these two polar opposite sides, and like everyone in the middle has completely excluded them. <laughs> it's just like yeah. okay, well. If you're going to be that stubborn, you're going to be that stubborn. We're going to keep doing our thing as the rest of us, and you keep well, doing your. But it's kind of like neither one of them will accept the evolution of wrestling, right? Yeah. Like, right. like Russo is stuck on the bro. Like it's a television <laughs> show, bro. Like we got, we just got to get eyeballs. It doesn't matter right. what we do. And to me, it's like, yeah, it does matter what you do. The whole David Arquette thing, people still aren't over. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, oh by the way, yeah, yeah. that's subject. He he's made amends. That, uh, <laughs> I've, oh, I've with got, David Arquette. David, I've got that's another one. I've got nothing but wonderful things to say about that man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that the man <laughs> went in the ring with Nick Gage. I mean, yeah. I'll just, I'll never. I, I, you can never question his heart or craziness or whatever the fact may be. And I mean, that's that's what, for his wrestling. Even things. even on our shows, man. Like he he wanted to. You know, he worked for several uh, Northeast wrestling events um, in the last okay. few years, and he did he did a no DQ, and and he wanted to go to that level, you know, and, and it was kind of like you know with his opponent, uh, they're kind of like whoa whoa, you know, okay, we can do like a couple weapons, we can do like a, a table spot, you know, we can uh, you know do some stuff with weapons, but we don't have to go like you know all blood and guts on everybody. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he really, but he took it seriously. I mean, again with with our events, you know, he was going to a wrestling school and training um, for weeks you know actually months uh, you know heading into these matches he definitely did not t uh, treat it as like a novelty like okay like i'll go and do the haha -ha. like he came to work and, and actually you know he showed up in pretty damn good shape too 
Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's awesome. Like I like I said, at the end of the day, like he's definitely shown some respect. And what's crazy is it's like you know this dude was like married to Courtney Cox and like you know like he big celebrity. He didn't have to do this stuff, so it's clearly a passion project. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Yep. And, and none of the like all the hate he got, like none of that's even his fault, really. When you think about no. it, like I mean, like no. it's, if if I was a huge wrestling fan and they were like, hey, we're gonna make you the WCW champion, I wouldn't have turned it down. Right. He's not the Booker. He's not the Booker. <laughs> No, right. Vince yeah. Russo is, and that's why he sucks. But anyways, <laughs> you um, know what? I will say, you know, it's Russo and Cornette again. You know, for all the drawbacks, they had their contributions. They absolutely, their contributions. Sure. absolutely, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, sure. I, I still think probably the best thing, the best quality about Russo uh, that you know, if I had to looking back on, you know, when he was with WWF, uh, just the fact of like every single character on the show having you know, a clear direction. They didn't just throw out a match just to do it, throw out a guy just to do it. Everybody had a storyline. Everybody had some degree of character development, a segment devoted to explain to the audience who they were. And I do think that that's something that gets a little bit lost, you know, in wrestling these days is like, it's not, I don't, it's not, I don't think it's enough just to like be a guy who wrestles good. You know, you really have to, you know, just open up that, open the door that, you know, let the people really see, like, you know, multiple dimensions to who you are. Yeah. And, and I mean, even back then, like, you could watch an episode of Sunday Night Heat and, like, the whole hour of that show was, like, stories and mm-hmm. characters you knew and, like, stuff that actually progressed the story. And this, those, those were, like, what would have been considered, like, throwaway shows now. And even then it was, like, they all had stuff that was going on. And then with uh, with Cornette, like, we talked about it, me and Doug, on the show quite often. But, like, I think Jim Cornette is a genius i mean he's a genius yeah. wrestling mind he just can't stay out of his own way he just keeps he just keeps doing just something dumb enough or controversial enough consistently enough that he just keeps losing every job that he gets and and i i'm with you i think he's just become a shock jock at this point but like i am entertained to as an AEW fan i am entertained listening to him roast AEW just because it yeah. does sound funny to me i'm just like it, it, the way he speaks is entertaining, but he also is trolling big time, I think, at this point. Well, what I don't like either is the <laughs> fact that, like, it. let's just say AEW delivered the most amazing show, right? Like, it was incredible. There's literally no flaw to the show. There is no way that he can go on there and say AEW hit a home run. Like, his business is to trash whatever mm. he's reviewing. So right. he can't really be honest either. That, right? That's so another thing to consideration. You know, it's like, why, yeah. like, pe- what do people want to listen to? The Cornette rants. They don't want to listen 100%. to Jim, Cor- Jim Cornette's happy, content thoughts on life. That doesn't right. get any views, right? And, right. and I got to tell you, it's like, you know, I mean, hey, from my perspective, you know, I'm a huge fan of his work. But, you know, I'd say, you know, drawn some comparisons to him, a uh, little little Cornette, little Polly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he- hell yeah. Man, I, was, I was curious, being a manager, like, who have you looked at? to like kind of like not copy, but just like learn from and, and watched yeah. and stuff like that. Um, initially it was Paul Heyman um, just because like, you know, with, with wrecking ball being the first guy I managed, I was managing. It was very easy for me to have that Heyman Lesnar thing in mind, um, especially being a Jewish guy from uh, this Northeast part of the country. Hey, 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 member of the tribe as well over here. Uh, Shalom. Yeah. Shalom, Lahayim. Um, and and by the way, just for the record, I, I think Paul Heyman's. I know it's. I know people have other opinions, but I, I think personally that Paul Heyman's the best uh, uh, manager slash advocate, whatever you want to call him, in history. So like that's a that's a great influence right there. 
Yeah, yeah, right, right. And um, it definitely was – it was actually hard for me to – at first, um, there, there was definitely a little bit of emulation going on, I think. But then I, that was – I kind of had to – again, like as I'm finding my own way, I kind of – you know, he's all business, straightforward, you know, not so much on the cartoonish side, uh, very like straightforward presentation these days. Um, so I'd, I'd say he was probably more of an influence like early on um, and then like um, – I'd say, like, I definitely developed my own, like, uh, I guess, cornet-isms in, ter- in terms of, like, the over-the-top nature. Um, and one guy that I've really been uh, watching tapes of over the last uh, year or so has been Gary Hart. Really oh, underrated. Okay, sure. Yeah, underrated, yeah. very firm, you know, softer-spoken, doesn't, doesn't have to go to that extreme place, but, you know, very deliberate speaker. Um, so those guys have probably been ones that I've looked to. But I, I figured Jim Cornette would come up considering, yeah. like, his, like, his like original gimmick was basically the trust fund kid. Basically, right. I mean, I got a guy who walked around the. He bought he bought his favorite wrestlers. Basically, he did what Tony Khan actually is doing in real life, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. That's dope. Um, me personally, like Bobby Heenan, I think is fantastic. So I don't know if you ever checked any of his stuff out, but I definitely oh, yeah. recommend yeah, him. Yeah, Heenan as well for sure. Yeah. Um, and and as a heel manager. Like some of my favorite tactics, like I, I love when like the guy is about to lose, like he hasn't lost yet, but he looks like he's about to lose. And the manager is having a complete meltdown. Like yep, I think yep. that is, <laughs> that is extremely important because it's like, sometimes the match might not be all that great, but, but by getting the reaction of the manager, it keeps you in tune. Right. And so like, if you're watching Heyman and Brock is looking like he could possibly lose, Heyman is melting down, and then that sells the fact that Brock is in danger. Because 100%. if Brock wasn't in danger, Heyman wouldn't be going crazy right now. He would just be like, oh, we're fine. We got this. But when when it starts to freak out, that's when it's like, okay, I'm invested now. Like the the guy is is about to lose. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that is definitely like, um, yeah, something that I've always gotten super into. I actually, uh, one idea that I had um, that someone had thrown at me uh, when I was just getting started that I kind of adopted for a bit was like, hey, like sell with your suit. You know, it's like, and, and I would kind of do this like strip selling um, as the match would go on to where like yeah. by the time the match was over, I'm basically like half naked out there. The jewelry's off, the jacket's off, the shirt's undone, the tie is gone, the shoe, the shoes are basically, gone. That's <laughs> Ric Flair, Ric Flair of Nitro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially, like, the, the the worse your client is doing, the less clothes you have on at exactly, that point. Basically, exactly. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That works because, man, like, we knew that when Ric Flair was starting to take off his suit, he was getting fired up. Like, oh, yeah. they, they, like Nitro and so stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I, that's definitely a good tactic, too. Um, but, you know, I'm not here to give you advice or nothing, but I'm just saying the stuff <laughs> that I enjoy when, I, when I'm watching um, from a heel manager. Uh, and, like, I – I guess too. So I wanted to just bring up a couple more things. Um, I feel like that we're going through a weird transition when it comes to the indies, because I feel like the era is completely over of whatever that generation was. And now it's like start from scratch, right? Because AEW, WWE, they've all signed up impact ROH. They've all signed up all the guys. So now it's just a bunch of like new up and coming guys. Do you feel like, 
that the the roster, the locker room, stuff like that is feeling that as well. Like it's kind of like an open territory to make a name for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I, I think that um, what's – but it's – I feel like guys are kind of – they're shooting for the stars, which which is great. But I feel like the mentality kind of is like, wow, like AEW Dark, there's so many guys popping up every single week. Like that could be us. And it's kind of like the idea now is like – which I think is a great thing um, because, I mean, personally, it's like, you know, there are – plenty of things to be enjoyed about independent wrestling but i mean my personal goal is television i think right. that, that can be said for a lot of people and the idea now is i feel like there's le- there's fewer and fewer people who have it in their heads that they want to be the kings of the indies you know maybe like that's cool like as but it's all for uh, temporary but it's seen as like stepping stones on the ladder to bigger and better and i think more people have that bigger picture mindset of like, I want to get to somewhere with TV, you know, whether that's WWE, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, MLW, Japan, Mexico. You know, there's a lot of platforms out there, but I think people are eyeing that level of exposure. Um, but I, I do think that the locker rooms are getting interesting because you're getting like, you know, spillover from people who are maybe like off of TV and looking to reinvent um, or people who are on TV and non-exclusive. And you have people who are, on the way up and looking to get to that level. So it's a very interesting, like, you know, combination. I think that it's, um, for, for one, it's great learning opportunities for these younger guys that are starting out. They get to work with these veterans rather than wondering where, you know, where are those people to teach me these things? Yeah, no, that's cool. So yeah. when AEW was formed, you were, you were working in the Indies at the time. Yep. Like what was the buzz? What were people thinking? Like, how, how did how did that change things? Um, I mean, I think that like people kind of uh, people were definitely excited about it. Um, I think that people kind of had the feeling that after um, All In, you know, this was such a success. Why not do more, right? So, yeah. I mean, um, I. I would say that uh, th- there was definitely hope that it was going to become as big as it ended up being. Um, the expectation at the time, I mean, w- like, what did you have to compare it to with, with uh, like, you know, you had, you know, what uh, companies like Ring of Honor and uh, Impact TNA uh, had, you know, the levels that they had uh, reached and uh, been uh, presented to over the last uh, 15 years. And thinking, wow, if we had something else at that level, that'd be that'd be great, right? Yeah. You know, everyone every wants another place to work. Um, but just the fact that, like, you know, it feels like they're, you know, they're getting to that point where they're, they're. I mean, they've already begun running, like, you know, the same size buildings as WWE in certain cases. And uh, I yeah. think that with the just the hunger of the fan base um, coming back from this pandemic is only going to help fuel um, their momentum as they begin touring again even more. So um, I think that the, the the hope was there. I think people were people were optimistic. People were excited, uh, but the I guess a little uncertainty on the expectation front. And now I think uh, knowing that, like, yeah, it, it is okay to have those higher expectations because they're reaching those expectations. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. Stephen, did you have any other questions you wanted to know? No, but I will say, like, uh, that whole buzz for me, like things, like just from like a fan perspective, is somebody like. Know, covers the indies the the 
what for me, like it was like AEW is real and they're really looking at everybody when they sign Marco mm-hmm. Stunt. Like that was my big thing because for me, well, you're like, la- oh, I know you're laughing, but like, no, I so get it. I get Mar- it. Like, cause, cause I'd been watching Marco for years at that point and he was it's the different. champion. Right. And he was the champion in the company that I would go to most often in Nashville. And like he, he, then he eventually, you know, popped up in GCW and like the whole internet was talking about him and all that stuff. And that's when I was like, if AEW is interested in Marco, they're looking at everybody. So like that has to be super motivating. And, and I think Marco is great, by the way. Like I'm a big fan of his, but it's one of those things where like you, before AEW, there was like no chance he was going to get on a TV show for wrestling. It just wasn't, the day, WWE was never going to sign him. It just wasn't ever going to happen. So like, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, they're looking at not only everyone, they're looking at people WWE would never even touch like Joey Janela, another good example. Mm -hmm. Like there's like these guys where I'm like, I'm fans of these guys and I'm liking seeing that they're getting these opportunities. Um, So I just wanted to kind of reinforce that kind of mindset too, of like, from my perspective too, I could see it in, in just the way people were acting. Cause it's like, these people I'm wrestling against in high school gyms and bars and these in, in backyards and all this stuff. It's like, they're on TV now. So like right. we have a chance to get onto TV with them. And like, that's how you make all these connections too. Like there's, there's no surprise when I see, you know, someone pop up an AEW dark alongside someone else. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I watched those two guys wrestle each other in Chattanooga. That guy probably called that dude made the connection and that's how he got on TV. So it's like, it's just, it's really cool how connected it is and how they're, they really are looking at everybody right now. I think it's all. And, and there's big opportunities for managers too, because the, the last true great manager, I think, of the Indies is Stokely Hathaway. And he's been yeah. gone for a few years now. There's openings for that. Like, they need big managers to step up because there is a big, there is opportunity there for that stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, honestly, he is the guy that I've looked to. But, like, yeah, that was the last, like, manager on the defense to get that traction and tour and go all over. And I've I've honestly, you know, looked looked at his path and been like, yeah, like, I want something similar to that. Well, um, see what the great thing that you're yeah. doing though, Jared, is is like it's not just about you. You have the whole trust fund approved like faction like right. built. You know what I mean? So that's, it's that's like awesome too. Yeah. you you can get people like to be invested just because it's a faction, right? right? W- without even you being involved, and then when you add your flair to it and your heel tactics and whatever else then it's like oh like this could work in ring of honor or oh this could work in nxt or whatever the case may be exactly because it's like that and and the great thing is too is i feel like so many like like okay look at the pinnacle for example right like they've used like a totally blanchard or something like that as kind of like the manager but like, I do feel like there could be a certain group there that has like that little pesky manager that just gets on people's <laughs> nerves. You know what I mean? Hey, and maybe, not maybe, and not is. just like a badass that that's like an old school badass is trying to teach the way of things too. You know what I mean? So exactly, I can always um, promise people that I that I am not trying to be cool. I am not trying to. Uh, pass said wisdom on or, you know, um, you know, just be that like, again, like, you know, that NWO, like, you know, too cool for school, bad guy. I am out there to be that, you know, corny, obnoxious, uh, just freaking, you know, run weasel. That's it. Like, I think, I think getting. <laughs> is like, 
MJF's mom is forcing him to like take care of like his nephew and there like you, you just tag along and he can't stand you. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's but like idea. but like it's like you're just there and you're an embarrassment to him, but like exactly. you can just be completely over the top type, you know. But I'm it not is. saying necessarily MJF, but just no, something no, no, like I, no, that. I, to- I to- totally get that. Totally get that. I, I definitely think that, like, yeah, that quality of like, you know, because it, it's it's tough because, it, like you mentioned before, you know, everyone wants to be cheered, everybody wants to be beloved, everyone wants to be popular, and like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, especially as you know, it's like as a bad guy, like if you're not if you're not afraid to like, you know make a to kind of like make yourself uh, look allegedly stupid you know it can produce some you know interesting content and yeah uh, you for know, sure yeah because you look at like you know again it's, it's not everybody's role to to again be like uh you know popular in the sense of you know the uh, the way we typically define the phrase it's like there's ways to catch on and you know be a little bit more unique and you know sometimes it's a more detestable presence that like you know it can be part of the show in a different way Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I mean, honestly, a uh, heel manager looking stupid is cool. Like exactly. that's at the end of the day. Like that, if it's Dirty entertaining, it's better. Yep. right. You know, like there was the one, uh, I'd like when orange Cassidy ripped the contract up in front of Don Callis and Don just stared at him was like, what are you doing? Like that stuff cracks me up or when he's like <laughs> talking about how, um, how like wrestling Kenny Omega was something in a tornado or whatever, but like this, this delivery, like the way that he puts over Omega, like a God is exactly. uh, it, it's obnoxious, but it's just done so well. So right. I definitely think it's important. Yeah. And, and the way I always looked at it is like, it's, it's always a benefit to the talent when you have somebody like right there, you know, uh, hyping them up or or funneling attention their way for one reason or another. It just yeah. adds that it, it it conveys the message to the audience that like, okay, this guy is important. Why? Because he's got this whole package centered around him. You know, he's not just another guy in tights walking down to the ring. You know, there's this whole extra emphasis on, you know, his character that we're trying to, you know, show to the audience. It's that extra level of effort. And I, I feel like you, you, that's something that I feel like you look for as a fan, right? Where it's like, where you want to know where is something going? What's next? And when you like, when you see, sometimes if it's not the, even if it's not the finish you want on a certain day, if you can see that there's going to be follow up, there's more to the story, et cetera, that keeps you hooked and keeps you watching. If you think that like somebody, you know, it's case closed, you know, take it or leave it, you know, that's it's going to be a different kind of feeling. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you have have being on the show. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to promote? Any shows that you're doing anytime soon? Uh, Northeast Wrestling is uh, getting back uh, to doing live events on June 27th uh, in Southern okay. in Southington, Connecticut. Uh, if you're in the area, uh, northeastwrestling.com for all the ticket information. And we're also ramping up with more uh, live events uh, over the summer. Um, in July, uh, hitting the Pittsburgh area, Niles, Ohio, um, Waterbury, Connecticut, July 17th, just got announced uh, with Enzo. So, uh, yeah, definitely okay. go to northeastwrestling.com. Uh, follow my social media at Jared Talks Loud on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Jared Talks Loud. And go to my Pro Wrestling Tees store. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jared Silberclight Trust Fund, all one word. And, awesome. uh, and thank you guys very much for me, allowing me to make this podcast show live stream trust 
fund approved. Thank uh, you, sir. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it a lot. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> awesome, man. Take care. Take Night. care, Jared. Night. It's crazy. Nice. nice, nice fella. Yeah. It's just crazy that like, I mean, he was literally like uh, just on his YouTube cam and, and talking about wrestling. And now like, you know, he, he, um, he's, he's doing stuff with like big people and, you know, like that Northeast wrestling. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty decent promotion. They, they definitely have big names like Darby and Moxley happened over there before it happened in AEW. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild how, uh, how he's actually done pretty good. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Good stuff. Nice guy. That yeah, that was fun. That was a good, uh, interesting perspective to hear from. Him. Yeah, because you don't really get to hear all the way like behind the scenes, the behind the curtain, the business, all that good stuff. So, um, definitely, definitely uh, cool uh, to see Jared doing well. And like, we did not get along at all because he's a Giants fan and I'm a Cowboys <laughs> fan, and like. You know, like me and you, we joke about the Vikings and stuff. Like me and him would like, I had to block him. Like I blocked right. him on Twitter, I think. <laughs> I, like someone had to talk me into unblocking him because I was so mad. So um, he he gets heel heat from me. So like I, that's why I was like, yes, I understand. I can get on people's nerves. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'll just throw that out there real quick, just for the record of this podcast. Shout out to the Minnesota Vikings getting that all figured out with Daniel Hunter, and then also yeah. getting Sheldon Richardson back. They are stacked up. They're putting out all those one and two year contracts and the little extensions. They are selling out right now for like this is the Super Bowl year for the Vikings. If they don't do it this year, the whole team's gonna get imploded anyway. So like this is it. So um I have been looking at that whole situation very, very closely. That's actually why I'm wearing my Viking stuff because I was so happy to see Daniel Hunter out there on the field again. And yeah. and it worked out for everyone. Like he got he got like five mil or whatever, just just given to him we don't have to commit to him past this season if he isn't good to go we don't know how his neck's gonna look but if he's good we'll just wind up paying him or we can get paid somewhere else after the season like this worked out great for everyone so school yeah, vikings there you go i about to say yeah, said it yet so school vikings uh chris in the super chat appreciate it, chris um your defense doug none of us thought back in 0708 that tna would tank as hard as they did almost comical how far they fell yeah, like I, I just didn't pay attention that much behind the scenes on things. Like I just, I just looked at it like they have better matches, and I don't care about anything else, you know. And there's so much more that goes into running a successful wrestling company and all that stuff. And and I also believe that Dixie had the finat financial backing to like take care of everything, and things would go fine. And it just didn't happen. So. No, her her parents ha- did, but yeah. they pulled the plug on it. Yeah, right, so. <laughs> right. So like, and then and then you find out more and more as it's gone on, and you're just like, oh my god, how could I, I ever thought this was going to be successful? And then I remember really being concerned when like the Corgan stuff was going on, where it's like, oh, now you're getting sued by Billy Corgan. It's like, what what the hell are you? What what's going on? Like, yeah, no, um, I I definitely <laughs> understand that. So, um, but no, I felt the same way though as you though. Like, I, I figured just like the talent, just like the cream would rise to the, to the top. Like, people would catch point, on. I mean, yeah. the roster was so good. Like, it was basically the, like, the entire roster that made NXT successful. <laughs> yeah. and, well, and then like the, AJ was champion the WWE, AJ was champion yeah. the TNA. Like, it, it just it, like 
it wasn't crazy to believe that they were going to be successful, but yeah, I, I had no idea like it was going to be what it turned out to be. So egg on my face on that end, but whatever. So speaking of TNA to NXT and all that, Samoa Joe is now in NXT again. Um, it, you know, we all had our hopes that he would show up in AEW, but I mean, to me, him going to NXT to kind of take this like GM type role just shows that like Joe is pretty much done. Joe is yeah. pretty much retired. Um, it, he can't get cleared to wrestle. And how are you going to kill somebody or be so upset with somebody about them signing with the WWE and calling them a sellout and all that stuff if, like, this is really his best option. So I'm not upset with Samoa Joe at all. I would have been a little bit bothered if he could come back to the ring full-time and have a couple of years in him and he chose to go to be a GM in NXT instead. But, I mean, I understand his circumstance, so it is what it is, and I'm, I'm not that upset about it. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. Like, if he can't wrestle, then, like, I didn't. I saw like I necessarily wanted to see him as like a, as like an authority figure on any other wrestling show. Like he probably is the best fit on NXT. Um, so I mean, well, I guess the only thing that's kind of a bummer for someone like him is you have to imagine he's getting paid significantly less than he was when they let him go a few months ago. But like, it's still probably a really good scenario for him. Like, I mean, I don't know if he lives in Florida, but like, I mean, if I know he lived in California for like a long time, but I don't know. If, I, I'd imagine it's not too difficult for him to like just be in Orlando um, once a week or whatever, do his thing on, on NXT. Doesn't have to get physical. He can still be a part of the show. He luckily he has the history with a lot of the people that are going to come through that show anyway. So like you have ways of still building feuds and like tension between him and wrestlers that can easily be like you're washed up or whatever. Like they can go after him because he's not the badass he used to be, but he's in charge of their careers now as the general manager or whatever. So right. like or the enforcer to the general manager, however they're going to do it with him and Regal. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I'm not mad about it at all. I, I'd be, I'd be salty about it if he was cleared and he went back to WWE and he was going to wrestle again. And yeah. then I'd be like, why the hell didn't you come to AEW? Like, or, right. or go, or even like impact or something. Like I, if you're going to be in the ring, I don't want to see the WWE anymore, but if you can't wrestle anymore, I got no problem with it at all. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, did you watch takeover? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I, I kind of like half watched most of it. I watched the I watched the main event. You uh, watched while like you're checking your phone and checking exactly, all the stuff. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the two matches that stood out to me, honestly, I thought was the main event and uh, L.A. Knight versus Cameron Grimes for the million dollar belt or whatever. L.A. Knight's garbage though, oh, man. I'm, I'm like no doubt about it, but. I did think that they had a pretty good match. Like, I'm not expecting match. L.A. Knight to be – but that's about as, like, as good of a match as he can have. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Sure. And, I, and, and I, Cameron Grimes is great. I don't think anyone's I would have never, that. ever thought that Trevor Lee would be anything in <laughs> NXT. And he is he's turned out to have somewhat of a character to be entertaining. So, like, props to him. Um, he just sounds like so southern, like it's like his real life. Like if if they wouldn't have changed oh, yeah. his character to like what it became, like I know what you're saying. He's always been great in the ring, but the issue is always kind of like how how would he do in like the mainstream with a gimmick that's just like I mean he's from Cameron, North Carolina. Like the, right. the biggest things to ever come out of where he lives are the Hardy Boys. Like I mean like so it's like your your chances just aren't aren't great if you come from Cameron, North Carolina to make it big. And um, 
but I'm glad he has. I'm, I'm and I like I like the stonks type character he's got. It's kind of it's pretty yeah. funny. So yeah, and it's somewhat current too, right? Right. Like it's it's something that's going on in today. So like yeah, I give him credit for it. It's actually a pretty decent character. Um, I thought the main event was really good. I I do think though that like I didn't like the finish. I don't think Cross should have won. To be honest with you, but even if he did, like I felt like it literally let him like destroy that whole entire roster. Like every time that he actually decided to be on the offense, like he destroyed all of them. And like yeah. these are the top top guys from NXT. Yeah. Um. Dude, that entrance is cringe yes. if the fans don't respond to it. Like, yes. that is, I mean, they were just, and from what I was hearing, because I, I had a couple of people message me that were there live, mm. and they were like, it was quieter than it was in there than it was on TV. Like, mm. it was, like, because they, they, they are still in piping sound. in. They are still yeah. piping in. So, like, so the people there live said it was dead silent when Karrion Cross came out. Like, the, there, like, was no noise. And, like, and I think part of the problem is, because I haven't watched NXT since the last takeover. I thought the entire time that Karrion Cross was a heel. And I think he's actually the face. But I but I could have sworn he was a heel the entire time. I'm pretty but like, sure he's a heel. But but the, apparently the story, like I, I guess he had been beating heels like the last month or so, like leading yeah. up to the show. So like I and I guess he was a de facto babyface, because I guess Cole is I I think the way that I saw it from the outside looking in, I thought that everyone was a heel except for Kyle. I thought everyone else was a heel. So I was like, so then I found out Karrion's supposed to be, so I think that's part of the problem is half the fan base doesn't know if he's a heel, half doesn't know if he's a baby face. So just no one's making any noise at all. And then his, and then his in-ring style just doesn't mesh well with the rest of the top tier NXT guys. He's very, very, very generic in his, in his actual in-ring work. And in his, yeah. and the problem with him too is like, he, so much about what he's about is like this MMA background. Yep. He has the same MMA background as Steven Seagal, zero and zero. Like this guy, like he's, he's never competed. So like, I mean, you can tell me all day that you're this MMA guy, but like, I don't know he's trained, but yeah. it's the same as like, that'd be like calling John Moxley an MMA guy because he trains at Extreme Couture sometimes. Well, like he wrestled Josh Barnett. So he actually, yeah, was for it. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that was badass. Right. It went, actually, to be fair, Karrion Cross had done blood sport too yeah, before he, he signed and he, and he was very good in that, in that realm. But I'm just saying like nothing about him really clicks for me because it's either the me knowing he's not actually an MMA fighter or the fans not reacting at all to him or like the rest of the match, you got like the coolest moves ever, like all over the place. And he's just doing a backdrop, you know, it's just like in, in his, in his rear naked choke doesn't even look that good. Like that's kind of sad too. Like if even this MMA guy, like, your rear naked choke doesn't even look that good. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to make a rear naked choke not look good. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's this around someone's neck. I mean, so I, I don't, I just, I can't believe that NXT's put themselves in this position with this guy because he's like the least, he's the last person you want as your champion. And he's the last person you want beating the entire roster because he's going to be gone within weeks to months. Probably he's going to be on raw or SmackDown. And then what you've beat yeah. everybody. You beat everybody. I don't get it. I mean, and to me, like the only logical step for him now is Walter. Like, yeah, Walter is like the only believable person that could somewhat beat him. But like, there's nobody in NXT that looks believable that could beat him. 
Yeah, I mean that's very true. I didn't even consider him and Walter. That that'd be interesting. I mean, Walter's so much better in the ring than he is. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, here's the thing: Karrion Cross does the things well that he's supposed to do, but he just it's just very generic. Like, because let me put it this way: if he would, if he wasn't six three or whatever he is, if he was like five ten, if he was the same size as like Adam Cole, imagine if people like he wouldn't be over at all. No. Because it's just basic. He'd be like an Eli an Eli, uh, Eli Knight or whatever the LA Knight. Um, LA Knight. Eli Drake, LA Knight. Yeah. He, it, it's like that because that's the problem he runs into. He's the most generic wrestler of all time. Like his 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 whole catchphrase is saying his own name. Like the, you can say Mr. Kennedy, it worked for him, but I would have said the same thing about Mr. Kennedy too. He was kind of over, but all of his moves were generic. Everything he did was generic. His big thing was his own name. Like you're not you're only gonna go so far being being that guy so yeah. like i mean i just that's the that's the problem with nxt to me in general is like but it's but it's inevitable it's going to keep happening because you can you can only have those other four guys in that main event and guys like champa and stuff doing that for so long you have to try to build other people but like the choices they're making and guys like la knight and carrying cross just seem like the wrong choices not only that this is tna like at the, right. at oh, the yeah. End, oh yeah, Impact Wrestling, and and like yeah. they have literally let Impact Wrestling take over their their show. Like you have Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, whatever you want to call him. You have Trevor Lee, Cameron Grimes. You have Karrion Cross. You have um, Frankie Monet. Frankie Monet. You have DJ Z. You, I mean, right. you, you like they're all over the place now, and it, it's like. In in my opinion, people view TNA always in a lower level way, no matter what, right? Like I I dealt with that being a fan, but like as it's gone on, like people feel like TNA has fallen off the map. Uh, most WWE fans, at least in my opinion, like indie fans will give it its respect and they'll still watch it because there's a lot of the good guys from the indies are still there or whatever, right? But, like, your WWE fans just don't care. And if they see, like, guys that were in TNA dominating that roster, I don't even think they'll watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – I just think it's really hit or miss. Because, like, you in, – in the and part of the problem is just the, the level of just how generic it all comes across. And in, in the in, – like, even, after, like, the Bobby Roode era. Like, I thought his run in NXT was good, but, like – it was he was a, he is still a pretty generic type of wrestler, and then Definitely. like then when he was on Raw, SmackDown, whatever, like he's just another guy. He's just another yep. create a creator wrestler looking dude. I mean, with a but with I, a creator I mean, wrestler thought, type moveset. I thought he was great in TNA, Selfish Generation, and all that stuff. Like I think that he worked really well in TNA. So, but but to me, there's certain guys that like if they're not getting a mega push they're not going to work like, like, like to me, like Bray Wyatt, for example, if Bray Wyatt isn't getting mega pushed and he's just like a mid tier guy, like it's not going to work. You know, when you did Bobby Roode and he went into NXT and he was the glorious and all that stuff. And he was the champion and the main eventer and all that, like it somewhat made sense, but like anything else outside of that, it's not going to work. Yeah, now I haven't I haven't watched it. I actually haven't even seen them as a team. I don't think maybe outside of like some pay per views. Um, I felt like I felt like I heard something fall just then. Um, but 
Um, he, you know, he's an attack. He's an attacking with Ziggler, and their team is called yeah. the the Dirty Dogs. D a w g s. I don't know hmm. what that's a reference to. I don't know. I don't get it at all. Like how how is Ziggler and Rude the Dirty Dogs? I I don't know. I don't know. It just. <sighs> I got on. There's just no buzz, man. Like they felt so flat. And like I listened to the post press uh, conference or whatever that Sean and Triple H had, and this one guy had the balls enough to ask them, like, "What's missing?" Because it just seems like it's flat right now. And they did not love that question. And they basically said that you know, as long as you're batting 400, everything's still okay. You still go to the Hall of Fame. And so it's like they're not really accepting. They aren't the, even batting 400. Though. Right. Like that's – they're batting like like 100, 150. I mean like a good batting average, by the way, is what, like 320 or something, 330 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. So, so it's like you're – no, you're batting – you're not batting like a good average right now. Like – I mean takeovers have meant absolutely nothing for the longest time. And I mean like I said, this one was okay to watch, but it's definitely – like – to think that like this company brand whatever like sold the Barclay Center and this thing now is just running like some three hundred seat arena behind a freaking fence is just it's it looked like the the going out of business version of NXT that's what it looked like and you can hear it in the reactions like even just like Adam Cole comes out and Adam Cole Bebe is just so I know it's less people but it's just you can even just tell there just isn't as much interest in people yelling it out like yeah you know it's just there's I, I saw um Joe Holbert who I he's a, a buddy of mine works for Fightful yeah he he was I think he's been right on the money about a lot of this stuff like he was tweeting all night about how he was just like this this has dead cold brand written all over it. I mean, this is, is like watching, it's like watching a dying brand in front of your eyes. Um, it, now, once again, they have, they have of, some good matches, but like, it, yeah, go ahead. What, it what reminded me, it reminded me of like when Strike Force sold and they still like ran shows. Till oh, the end. under UFC's yeah, management. Right. It was weird. Yeah. That's yeah. what it kind of felt like. It just felt like uh, something like that, but like, nobody would be willing to admit really what's going on. And so I don't know, like it just, it feels like they're taking major steps backwards. It's uh, a good point too. Cause I remember Scott Coker, all those interviews after they got bought him, just being all optimistic, like, yeah, they're telling me they're going to keep, I'm going to keep running this brand yeah. as my own thing. We're going to keep strike force going and blah, blah, blah. That's the same thing as like asking triple H how's NXT going right now, mm-hmm. you know? And then you got Nick Khan behind him. Like, how much money are we losing each month because of this one thing? Right. Okay. Um, right. What about that one over in uh, in Europe, in, in in the UK? Oh, that one's also losing a lot of money. What about this other thing we do on uh, with just the cruiserweights for a half hour a week? Yeah. What? what how much money are we losing on this? Like, like that's those are the questions being asked. I think, and that we talked about it before with like Triple H feeling the heat. There's no way that like this guy from the outside coming in isn't putting heat on him over this stuff. Well, and it's like, to me too, is like, what kind of disconnect is it from the main roster to NXT when like you can let Samoa Joe go without even (laughs) like consulting them and saying like, hey, we don't have anything for Joe, but I think that he would work out here or or you, you did work with him at one time. Do you think that this maybe would be a good idea to like bring him in on your side to help things out? I think it's a way to pay them less, to be honest. I think it's a way. I I agree. 
Like, but they yeah. could still release him and then bring him back later or whatever. But like, I feel like that they just kind of did it completely without acknowledging them. And then they were like, wait a minute, what happened? Why did we let go of Joe? Like, I, I've heard the same thing happen with Aleister Black that apparently, like, not everybody, like, there were people, there were like decision makers that were apparently like, wait, but you've already told him he's gone. Like, hold on a yeah. second. Like, apparently, yeah. like, that happened with him where there were some some decision makers that like didn't know he was getting let go and they weren't happy about it. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a good point. And, and and that's just kind of what it feels like. It feels like that they're like literally operating on two different companies, but like not because at the end of the day, we see what happens when they get called up and I don't know, man, it, it's just a mess. It's so hard to be invested. I really think what killed, not killed, but, put a huge dent in the brand was just seeing the results of these guys getting called up yeah. because then you just couldn't have any faith of what was going on in the company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a humongous part of it. And then like I talk about pretty much every week, then you just wind up in NXT purgatory. If you're one of the, one of the talents that is really great in the ring, but knows their career is screwed. If they wind up on another on raw or SmackDown, so like you're just stuck in NXT. Like like Tommaso Ciampa tonight. You know, I was watching NXT before we went live, and you know him and Timothy Thatcher. I think I think they're a good tag team. Like I like both those guys. I think they're both very good in the ring, both very intense, and it's a cool pairing. But it is still kind of strange to like see Tommaso Ciampa on NXT as like kind of just another guy. Like he was yeah. like the every, everything in the brand used to revolve around him. And yep. now it's like he's he didn't even make it onto the takeover show this past week. It was it was saved for this this yeah. uh, show, you know. But it's but that's kind of the point. Is like that's just gonna happen to all these guys unless they wind up on Raw or SmackDown. Like you could at some point Adam Cole is just gonna be just another guy. Like I mean that's and that's that's wild to think. But like that's what's gonna just keep happening to these people, or they're gonna no, wind up on like- Raw or SmackDown and they're just gonna get jobbed out. That the commodity that is Adam Cole, right? Like if he goes outside of to any company outside of NXT right now, he is the most sought after free agent in my opinion. Like, oh, yeah. by everybody, and yet like they have him, and they just like, I mean, they use him. I'm not saying he's wasted over there, but like at some point, you just you can't really be behind what he's doing anymore you know what i mean like you're literally just in nxt for like four years like what is the goal like well, and, and then i now i'm starting to get concerned too with like kyle o'reilly oh yeah because, cool, kyle? cool kyle yeah cool kyle and and like tonight now they've already announced that they're gonna run back colin o'reilly in three weeks at the great american bash oh they did um, I didn't know yeah that. so that's gonna happen now but next week I don't think the title's on the line, but next week is Kyle O'Reilly versus Kushida, who's the yep. who's the cruiserweight champion. But when that kind of stuff happens, it also leads me to believe where it's like, is that their vision of Kyle? Is like, is he gonna start popping up on two oh five live? Cause like they don't want him on Raw or SmackDown and they don't have anything left for him in NXT. So now he's just got like another cruiserweight guy. Like, you know, I don't know, I don't I know that's kind of an extreme example. And by the way, I think 205 Live is the best actual wrestling show that that WWE has under its wing. Like they a solid half hour of wrestling every week, and I watch it every week. But like, so I'd love to see Kyle O'Reilly on the show. But but that's kind of where I'm thinking now is like it, you could say the same thing about someone like Adam Cole. Like he's the same size. Like you have these guys where it's like they're not gonna fit on Raw, they're not gonna fit on SmackDown, they they're gonna run out of stuff to do in NXT. 
are we going to start seeing them just kind of shoved into like 205 Live and like no one even knows they're having these matches anymore? Like, you know, they're just going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. I I just don't know. And I mean, like you said, like, why would they want NXT UK at this point? Like, to me, that's just such a big expense that you really don't need at this point. Well, and especially last night, I didn't watch the show, but it was it was unavoidable. It was all over my Twitter. Piper Nevin debuted. Yep, I know. And, and I know the commentary that. apparently didn't know who she I mean, I know that they know in real life, but they, the, the portrayal on TV was, who is this? We've never seen this person before. And it's like... Mm. She wrestles for it, and they didn't know her name, and they're going to rename her. The the what Sean Ross Sapp was reporting, the name that mean that's being thrown around for her is Dewdrop. So they're going to talk. They're talking about calling Piper Nevin Dewdrop, and and they're just they don't know that she existed before this, even though she was in the Mayon Classic and she's she's wrestled Rhea Ripley multiple times for the UK Championship and and all that, and she's been on the in the company for years, their own company. Like it isn't like it's, it's not like it's uh, you know, Impact Wrestling or whatever, and they can be ignorant and be ignorant, and be like, "Where this person come from?" The, the, Piper Evan came from your own company. Like you promote this show. Well, like, and, like <laughs> another thing, I don't get. Like I'm just don't be don't don't get all don't kill me here. I'm just asking, like character wise, yeah. what's going on? But like, isn't Eva Marie like a, a physical trainer or a personal trainer or something like how does her and Piper how do they link up oh I don't know I have no idea I haven't looked that far into it and I don't plan to but, but like I, you I, would think the storyline would be like uh I, I can take care of you I can change your life I can like there's no like how do you put that pairing together I honestly think because the WWE yeah, it'll be something, and this is just how I feel about it. And no one who sees this thinks don't think that I'm doing this. I'm just saying. Right. I think the company, yeah. it's going to wind up being like a fat shaming type thing. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be something where like Piper does all of basically has all the matches for Eva or something like yes. that. But then at at a certain point, it's going to be about like her being like insecure or something and like her always having to lean on Eva for whatever reason for confidence or something like that. And then eventually Eva will, will stab her in the back and then right. Piper will become the, the, the beloved baby face who like the Otis, the female Otis is, yeah. is the way I view it. Or didn't, didn't like Alexa bliss and Nia Jax do something just like yep. that. Not that yep. long ago. It'll, it'll be something like that probably. And by the way, like I think Piper Nevin is a beautiful woman. Like I'm not, I'm not over here saying anything about anything. I'm just saying knowing the WWE, yeah. I can just see that pairing being something like that. And it's just not going to go over well for anybody. It was just um, really weird, like, when I saw that. Because, like, the whole time they've just shown, like, video packages of Eva, like, being in, like, this extreme shape and, like, working out all the time and being cut and everything. And then it's like, we're going to put her with Piper. Like, what? Yeah, because I think the promos that Eva had been cutting from what I've been hearing were actually her kind of being, like, a motivational speaker. So, so that would make sense that maybe she's, like, motivating Piper to – I don't know, get in better shape or whatever, whatever narrative they want to go with because they've already started planting seeds. Like, like online, I saw like Bronson Reed, for instance, he was immediately on Twitter, like do your thing. Like they're always going to hate on people like us. Like the talent's going to cut. So like the wrestling world's already talking as if this has to do with fat shaming. Right. So um, once again, whether or not to go that route, I hope they don't go that route. Cause like, that's the dumb idea for a story, especially in 2021. Like, 
when you should be promoting just like the best wrestlers, no matter shape, size, gender, or whatever. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I don't I, here. And here's the thing. Ultimately, I don't know. And I don't care because I'm not going to watch the show anyway. So it really yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So we were in a, in a talk on Twitter about Cena and I, I kind of want to do a little bit of a deep dive on this. Um, in your opinion, when was the perfect time to turn Cena heel? And like you said, it's too, you think it's too late for him to turn heel now. So what, and why do you feel that way? I guess. So I still think it might work to some degree now, but like, I think part of the problem is fans like us. A lot of us have come and gone since then. Like, I don't think that many people are going to, and, and, and a lot of us that hated John Cena so much that wanted the John Cena heel, like, like love him and respect him now. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't really even want to see a, I, I'd like to see a heel John Cena in AEW, but that's another thing that we'll talk about. But like within the WWE, I'm okay with him always being the make a wish guy, the the good guy, because he's also just going to keep coming and going. Like he's never going to be like a full time wrestler for him, for them. Um, Michael Jung saying uh, after wrestle or when he lost to the rock WrestleMania 28, that was probably the most obvious time they could have done it. Uh, the redemption story. And then if he would have in the, if he would have cheated to beat the rock in their second match and then set up maybe a trilogy, but like rock, but going into it at that point, John Cena is a full on heel and the rocks, a baby face. That could have been really good. But like, honestly, like the ideal timing would have been for me as a fan would have been like, probably, I mean, maybe off on my years a little bit, but probably like 2000, <clears throat> probably like 2007 or eight ish, like, or maybe around the time that like, uh, like around the time he had lost to Rob Van Dam around the time he had lost to edge. Like when people really wanted just new people to be the top guys, that would have been a good time. Cause, cause we also had to sit through him beating all of our heroes, like beating yep. Michaels at in triple H and all these guys at WrestleMania. Yeah. But had he turned and then beat those guys, that would have been different. Like a heel Cena yep. beating Shawn Michaels or beating triple H. Like that's a totally different story they could have told. Yeah. So that's, that's I how like, I feel. I do kind of like the idea of after losing to Rob Van Dam, because then it would have been kind of like, I had to go to that hell hole after all I've done for this company, you forced me to go to that place in an uncomfortable environment. And this thing, you, you basically set me up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You they set had a lot me of up. Oppor- they had a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Like and they could have even done it with Nexus, like you yeah. actually joining Nexus. I mean, like there was a lot of these op- opportunities, but the job, the, the Darby D one, like you said, would have been perfect. Him just trashing the fans for making him go through that. Well, and, and the company too, and Vince and all of it. Like, yeah. how dare you? I've I've put this company on my back and this is how you were paying me, you know, like they could have definitely did something like that. Um I even think like towards the end when he was like US champion, like I think that like if they wanted to spice things up, they could have done something to where it's like I feel like I'm getting kicked out of this company. I've given everything that I've that I've done to this thing. I've turned down so many movie roles. I've turned down everything. I've I've decided not to get married. I've decided not to have kids because of this job. And now all of a sudden, like I'm being pushed aside because AJ Styles wants to show up in here or something. You know what I mean? Like you could have yeah. done something like that too. Um I do think though that like Roman and Cena is very intriguing to me. Like, I really do like that idea. 
like the story of it. If it's done right, like I think it can be a home run. I really do. I feel the same way, but I mean, Cena is for sure going to be the baby face. So, um, losing could make him go heel if that's what they wanted to do. The only reason it would make sense for John Cena to go heel, I think, the at this point, is if they have someone lined up. I don't know who it would be, um, but if they have someone lined up who they have that is going to be their next big baby face that they can rely on to be like the, because here's the thing at the end of the day, they want that to be Roman Reigns. Like they eventually Roman Reigns will be the biggest baby face in the company. Do you think if Cena turned heel, that that could be the reason that Roman could turn face? Uh, That might work. Depending on the story they tell, that's, I think that's possible. Um, but, the, but unfortunately, like, I'd much rather see that be, like, someone who's going to be there full-time for the next decade versus John Cena, who's just going to be coming and going. Um, I mean, I agree, and I, and I don't know how what Cena's commitment is, right? Like, is he just yeah. here for one pay-per-view and that's it? But, like, let's say Cena could give you two years of mostly being there, like Brock Lesnar appearances, let's say that. Would it be worth him to turn him heel – and to get some type of buzz going for your company and to be able to help put Roman over more as a face and possibly someone else. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's possible. And I'll, but I also would be interested to see, like, I don't, I don't honestly don't know at this point, like if people really want to boot on John Cena, just in general, like yeah. he's just a, he's a likable guy who's become a, a mega star outside of wrestling. Like I don't, I just don't – I just see. I just feel like the time has come and gone. Now, now, once again, we talked about on Twitter, if this happened in AEW, that's a completely different story because yeah. he's, the, he's the outsiders. I mean, he's the, he's the, he's like the literal guy coming in, and he can, he's going to get heat just for being the WWE guy. Like, I mean – See, I don't know, though. Like, I feel like that AEW does not have that built-in loyal fan base to where if Cena showed up, he would be booed. But if he cut a good promo about oh, like could. this, like Much yeah, show, I mean, pathetic, all that, yeah, or like I'm, co- yeah, I'm coming here, to, yeah, I mean, Darby vanilla. Allen, like Darby Allen's yeah. a superstar, like I'm right. a superstar, like Kenny like, Omega, almost, like almost what? like MJF type, but you know, on the other side, yeah, I agree to that. But see, like what I love about like the Cardona Gage uh, feud is the fact that like. Their fan base is already set and they're loyal, right? Right. So Cardona has a, a, a honestly, he has his own cult following, like Nick Gage. Like he has the the nerdy collector guys that are fans of everything, and and like they are loyal to him. But Gage has his like bloodthirsty, diehard MDK fans as well. But like neither one of them are switching. You know what I mean? Like they're loyal. And I don't know if AEW necessarily has that yet. I feel like that they would welcome. But I also feel like one of the things that was pretty telling, though, is when it was down to Christian and Jungle Boy, like they were 100% behind Jungle Boy. Yeah. And and that's part of it, too, is like even though there might not be as big of like a core hardcore fan base like for AEW yet, it's still enough built on like smart Mark fans that like, cause, cause that's the thing, even cause I think the AEW audience, if John Cena was presented as a heel, we would boo him as a heel. And we, but it was, it's cause we, 
it wouldn't be the same thing as like back in like 05 or whatever when like fans like hated him. Like it would be, you know, it'd be it'd be fans that understand what's happening. And I think we'd all understand how how cool of a situation that would be. I mean, we've talked about it before, him literally coming in. He can literally call himself Hollywood Cena. And that would just be like, oh my God. Cause like that is what he is now. Like yeah. I mean, like that would be, and I mean, unreal. let's be honest. He could bring in with Mark Henry. He could bring in the Big Show. He could bring like all, like Moxley could join Jericho. Like you could talk about a crazy faction, and like the idea of it's crazy, but like that's literally what the NWO was. Like it right. really was that. And, and then there's also the possibility too with like, a, like I think a feud with him and Mox and AEW would be great because you could have yes. you could have Moxley saying. You left because you're washed up. I left because those MFers were screwed yeah. my career. Like, right. like there's a two. We're two different people. Like, yes. I, I came from I came from taking weed whackers to the forehead. You came through a OVW. Like, they, right. it's very two very different paths. You know. So like, um, but uh, but here's the thing. Even if John Cena came in as a babyface, I think AEW would totally eat it up. I mean, it's like yep. just just having him on the now. Once again, it's far fetched to think he would ever even be an AEW, but for the sake of the argument with like a heel, the heel scenario, do I want to see John Cena as a heel? It, sure. Like, cause I, I think it'd be interesting because he it just hasn't done it. You know, it, you can count his thugadomic stuff, but that was so long ago and it totally, yeah. different. I mean, things have changed so much, but like, and, and, but it also depends on the story and who the heel, him and Roman definitely makes the most sense. Like for yep. sure. Um, and I am interested, like, but they've done such a good job of turning Roman heel that like, I don't, I just don't know what the t- their timeline is. Like, do they want Roman to be the top babyface in the company a year from now, two years from now, six months from now? Like, like how, how long, how, what kind of legs do they think Roman Reigns as a heel has before they want him to be the top babyface again? Cause that, that's what really matters with the Cena stuff too. Like, well, and like, not only that, like, okay. Say so. Say Roman two years, three years, four years. Who the hell is in your pipeline after that? Like, right? I don't see anybody. No. Well, that's the problem with with NXT that we've talked about too. It's this whole. It's the whole system. It's it's the it's the it's knowing that like like guys like Blake Christian are awesome. Guys like Alex Zane are awesome. Guys like Anthony Henry are awesome. But like they don't have they don't have I. There's a difference, I think, between – and a big part of it is because we've seen these other guys I'm going to mention on AEW television for a while now. But, like, NXT should – like, the next group of, like, NXT stars – because because the guys I'm talking about right now aren't really, like, the stars of NXT. They're just really, really good wrestlers that are mainly relegated to 205 Live, and they'll sometimes wrestle on NXT. But the guys who should have been your next group of NXT, like after Adam Cole and Kyle and, and Roddy and and all these guys, your next group should have been Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara and yeah. MJF and like, but they're not there. They're not yeah. coming. So, so like, true. and so like, so and true. all I think all the next kind of groups of those kind of guys are going to go to AEW instead of the WWE. Unless, yeah. um, you know, unless you it, there's. There's certain guys, right? Like, I mean, like an Alex Zane. I'm sure he got paid really well, and he gets to keep having good matches. But like, who knows where his career goes over the next three years? With the well, WWE. It's like 
I feel like he just came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden it's like, WWE's interested in me? Like, okay, I'll sign with them. You know what I mean? Right. And then there's like guys like Kevin Owens who put in like 10 years, 12 years, and it's like, man, like I'm running out of time. I either make it or I don't. You know what I mean? So, And I think those kind of guys are way more likely to stay in the WWE no matter what because yes, they took – it took – the grind was so long and the goal was always that company. And it's like I am making more money than I ever imagined. I, do, I don't want this to ever end and my family's secure. And I've seen how the meat is made at this point, so I'm just comfortable with where I'm at. Um, yeah. But then you're going to have a, a different mindset of guys like you're – Darby's and and Sammy Guevara's and that kind of stuff who are going to be like, oh hell yeah, like we're like we are the next superstars and it's already in motion. Like yeah. we're on TV and they're already pushing us. And that's the great thing about like AW Dark versus NXT. Also, like AW Dark versus NXT is like you literally you have basically tryout matches every week. Like yeah. it's just you take the the best guys from the indies, or you take like whoever's on Buzz or whatever area you're in, like enhancement talent type guys, and you go out there, you can test them live in front of the dynamite audience. So it's yeah. like you find out who's good and who's not. A guy like JD Drake, who I know had multiple WWE tryouts, and I've yeah. heard varying reasons why he wasn't there. He shows up on AEW basically for a tryout, kills it against Eddie Kingston. The yeah. internet buzzes. The next thing you know, it's like you know he's good for your shows. So sign this guy. You know, it's like their their system of doing it is already so much more efficient than how WWE is doing it in in the span of two years. How about WWE? We're like, hey, we're having a big trial in Vegas. Come on down. Like, Mm -hmm. what? You know what I mean? Like, recruit some people. Like. And I know a handful of people already that are going to that Vegas tryout, and they're guys yeah. who who I who I like and I think have talent, but they're guys who WWE would have never looked at if they weren't going. Like like at this point in their careers, they wouldn't have looks. But they're yeah. also the same kind of guys though that would have a chance to get on AEW Dark probably. Right. So like you know what I mean? Like so it's going to be interesting to see because I do think we're going to see um, a handful of people that I know about, but like most people don't that are yeah. going to wind up getting signed out of that uh, tryout. But, like, but- let's let's be honest, too. Like, if if AEW didn't exist, does Blake Christian even get signed? Does, does Alex Zane get signed to NXT or 205 well, or any of that? I think that's a domino effect, though, because without, without AEW, there wouldn't have been the room to have a, a guy like – so – be- because when AEW started, like when the Young Bucks went and Kenny yep. went and and all these top, even Darby and, and yep. guys who were getting buzz about them on the indies, even like I like Marco Stunt, you know, big on the indies. Like when, when those spots opened, then we saw like the really fast rise of guys like Zane Christian, uh, Tony Depp and uh, yep. Kurt Stallion. I mean, you can name yep. a lot of them, but they were all, they all basically had to fill those gaps like right away. And so I think that's why you have like that group of guys have all pretty much been signed to various companies at this point. Cause it's like, they had to fill those holes. And because the comp the companies were already like, we're already watching those spots at this point. It's like, Oh, okay. Well they got like six more guys that can really work. We might as well just sign them too. But, but I don't think that they would have had the eyes on them if AEW wouldn't have been created because AEW signed the people that gave them the opportunities to get, to get popular, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I also feel like too, it's like it was kind of they had to play beat you to it, right? Like, yeah. oh well, like eventually we know you'll like them, so we're just gonna go ahead and sign them. You know what I mean? And like 
I'm not saying they're not good enough or anything, but there's just certain guys that WWE would have never looked at or be interested in that I feel like they are forced to because they're worried about someone else signing them and and then not getting them eventually. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and, and it's and it's interesting too, and all in that same line of like, you know, superstar and like in and name value wise and all that stuff, like Braun Strowman is like unquestionably a much, much bigger star than any of the people that like I've just named that are currently with the WWE. I mean, it's not even close. And granted, Braun Strowman was making like a million, a million and a half dollars a year or whatever. These guys, I'm sure, are taking much, much less, like yes. much less, like like right. maybe six figures. Right. But, but it's one of those things too where you kind of look at it and you're like, well, like, would you rather like me personally, like I'd rather have Blake Christian, like personally, but like if you're the company wouldn't you be going like, how about we don't sign all these guys off the indies that we have no plans for and just keep guys who are stars that we're paying more? 100%. Especially the WWE's model. Like, I don't understand why they're like, um, why, why did they, like, they, they don't seem like they're on the same page. This literally feels a lot like... Uh, Star Wars, the the new Disney version, where it was like, okay, I've made a creation and now I hand it over to you, and I hope that you follow through with the story that I did because there is no plan. And then they're the like, different okay, directors, right? Yeah, and then, right. Okay, so now I did a movie, and it makes no sense based on what the first one was, but this is my vision, and then I need you to finish this movie trilogy with your vision, but keep in mind my story. And then it's like, well. I think your story sucks. So what I'm going to try to do is retcon the whole thing a little bit for like, but I only have two and a half hours to do it. So I need to retcon your movie and tell my movie. My story is a disaster. And I feel like that they're just kind of like not on the same page because honestly, cutting the entire 205 roster and keeping guys like Braun Strowman to me makes more sense for the WWE. Right. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it as well. Like from a business perspective like that, like you would, you would, you'd figure that they would keep their stars and just stop signing people that they don't know what to do with, or they're just going to have signed or, or use on 205 live, which once again, is a show that just has no buzz about it. Once again, a very good wrestling show, but like just hardly anyone watches it. Um, I mean, it, it's, it, yeah, it, it's the whole thing is just, because even to the last point you made about you know, like the, like the left hand not being able to talk to the right hand or whatever. Like all AEW is doing is literally just taking people and just taking what they're already good at and just putting it on TV for more people to see. Like they're not yeah. messing with any of it. They're just, yeah. it's the same thing you see on the indies. They just, could you imagine a, someone like orange Cassidy calling him like Jason Monarch and like t making him wrestle a normal style and yeah. just, putting him on 205 live like that's what wwe would do yeah yeah for sure i mean i mean sure. like look, look at Sami Zayn, right look how over el generico was and like we need you to lose the mask we need you to completely ditch the gimmick and start from scratch now granted he did a good job and he got himself over and props to him but i'm just saying like they they have their own vision on these guys and like I said, I absolutely hate that they're making them change their names. I just think that's a terrible idea that they've put time and 
Like imagine Darby Allen being called something else. Like it just, it, it makes no sense. Like when he's the most perfect example, cause he was with evolve when they had a relationship with yeah. the WWE and he asked to get out of that deal. Cause he, he, his exact, I'm paraphrasing, but his exact words were something on the lines of, I knew the second they got a hold of me, they were going to make me this creepy dude jerking off in the corner. And I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I mean, well, and like, and, and that's the thing too, is like, I, I wasn't a big indie person, but I definitely pay attention to evolve ROH, all that stuff. And like when they signed Darby Allen, I knew it was a big deal. Like I knew he was going to get over. I, I could feel it. Um, and it's funny, right? Like, remember the video package they did with Orange Cassidy signing his contract? Like, it was, like, with the orange juice and all this stuff. And, like, it was just kind of like, oh, cool. But, yeah. like, that's a main eventer now. You know what I mean? Like, one of the most over guys in the company. And and you just had no idea. or Like, they brought Luchasaurus in for the Battle Royal, but they had absolutely no idea that he would be over. And, like, he was over from jump. So, it's just kind of crazy how how it uh, would have been. Yeah, WWE is just so concerned with micromanaging everything and owning the rights to everything that they do, and it's just and they're the only company doing that still. The only one, like no other company, like not even Impact, because I, I, I don't think they really do that at all anymore, to my knowledge. Because even for a while, even you know, had like like Nigel McGuinness had to be Desmond Wolf and that kind yeah. of stuff, but yeah. like no one even does that anymore. Like only the WWE does that still. Yeah. Um, and that's just another reason not to go there. If you feel like you've built a value in your own brand, you know, on your own, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, well, it's just I feel like that's why wrestlers also like to say their real name uh, next to their wrestling name, because then it's like, if they ever get released, they're still established. Like look at Matt Cardona, right? Like when, when, by the time that he got released, we all knew he was Matt Cardona based on his podcast and everything else. So um, it's good for him. We do have a super chat. Thank you so much, Sean. I really appreciate it. It says, honestly, I wouldn't put it past WWE announced Vegas tryouts could be a boost to attendance. Laugh out loud. If you want new stars, what happened to Andrade? I mean, and that's the thing too, is there's so many people that are, I don't know how you say it, not bitter, but just like, dude, I've given you so many chances at this point. Like, I'm just not going to watch your stuff. I don't believe in what you're producing. Like, I get invested in NXT. Because, like, I'll even talk to some NXT fans. And they're all like, man, like, like, and, and, they're, and they're upset that, like, their favorite wrestlers from NXT are getting signed by AEW. Like, Aleister Black, like Andrade. I mean, Aleister hasn't got signed yet. But that's where you think he's going to go. And it's like man, this is bullcrap. Like you're letting them become bigger than they should be. Like what is going on? Like that's the way they feel. And it's like after a while, what happens is, is you stop getting invested in NXT. And then finally you let go of that bitterness that you had towards AEW and you just give it a chance to see what's going on with the guys that you liked. And then you're like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this instead. And that's what happens. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, you're going to have people that are stubborn that are just going to be like brand loyal. But I think for anyone who's like even somewhat open-minded, I mean, I I don't – I just feel like AEW is just such a better option for the fans and for the wrestlers. I mean, yeah. I, it's it's 
the NXT stuff's alarming to me. It really is. Like the yeah. lack of like the lack of reaction, the the log jam of the people that are at the top that are in purgatory. Um the and just everything about it. Like, I mean it's and it's then like only that, like you had Finn go to the main roster, then come back to NXT, and now it's like, what are you going back to the main roster again? Like because he's yeah. already lost the cross and like you just go back to NXT. He like, could go to UK because him and Walter were supposed to do stuff before the pandemic. Like maybe they'll do that. But like after that, there's literally nothing besides going back to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. For him. So I mean, like, and, and then there's only so long that you're going to get people's loyalty, right? Like eventually they're just going to give up. Like, just, okay. Yeah. You know, that's what I did. So, yeah, absolutely. Same. I mean, I'll still give it a chance if there's some buzz, but like NXT right now, there, there's not a lot of buzz. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll watch their takeover, see what's going on. But like, I'm not watching their weekly shows. Like I'm not interested in that. So. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at with the two. Although next week I might, um, cause I do want to see Kyle Riley and yeah, Kishida. Riley. if, yeah, if, if I remember to watch it, I, I probably well for that match, but I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just so much other wrestling at this point, you know. Um, and I'll keep watching the WWE pay-per-views, but once again, even those now, I'm, like, kind of looking at my phone most of the time. Like, I'm not really invested at all. What um, do you think about Raquel Gonzalez so far? Um, I think she's a good, um, kind of like a good project for NXT because yeah. she definitely has the size yes. and she definitely has ability. Like I, I do like her and I think she was the right person to, to win the title. Um, I think she beat, uh, Ruby, not Ruby, right. Um, uh, a real Ripley. Right? Or, did she beat Rhea Ripley? Was it, oh, wait, no, did EO have the belt then? And she beat EO for it? I, I think she beat EO for it. I, I can't remember. She she definitely did pin or did did pin Rhea Ripley. I think like on Rhea's way out though. I want to say I can't remember how it all went down. But I do like Raquel Gonzalez. Um, she looked good in their War Games match too, if I remember correctly. Um, but so so yeah, I uh, yeah, it was EO. Yeah, I I got I got no problem with with Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I. I think she, but that's the thing is like, once again, I haven't been watching Raw, but everything I'm hearing about Rhea Ripley even on Raw is like, they don't know what to do with her. And it's like, if they don't know what to do with her, they're not going to know what to do with Raquel Gonzalez either. Like, I mean, so it's, it's just, it's unfortunate. I want to get behind these wrestlers, but I just know that their futures are just not going to be good going yeah. forward. So, um, but I do like Raquel Gonzalez though. Like I, I, I have no issue with her being the NXT Women's Champion at all. What did you think of that that uh the 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 new lady that debuted um, the Asian oh the one lady? that was doing the tongue and death grip uh, oh, man not, not her, her not her oh. she was atrocious like that whole thing was really bad yeah like, you're talking about Zaya Zaya yeah. Lee is that her name yeah um I didn't know much about her I I, I think she was like straight up like WWE Recruited. PC and yeah. never worked the Indies um. Honestly, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the match. I, I really didn't. But like, I, I saw the end of it though. I saw like the aftermath with uh, the the tongue and death grip, and the crowd was just dead silent for that too. I mean, just that was ninety five, dude. That's why it felt like that that type of like character and like oh, and then like she's like approaching her, and I'm just 
Yeah. Just just nobody cared. Just nobody cared. All right, so let's get into some UFC. Um, Give me – I'm going to grab a beer real quick. Yeah, go second. ahead. If you guys have any questions or whatever, send them on through. And if you haven't smashed that like button, please do so. I did not – I thought NXT was okay, though. I thought TakeOver was pretty good. But like I said, it doesn't give you it doesn't leave you much for the future. Like where where are they going with it? You know what I mean? It's uh it's really questionable how um how they booked it, how they basically destroyed all the main event guys, and then like what do you what do you do there? I watched like thirteen minutes of low key. I didn't watch anything after that. I got something distracted me, and then I couldn't finish it. I'll go back and watch it, though. I'm pretty burned out on MCU. Not not necessarily, like, burned out that there's just so much of it, but, like, I just – I've lost a lot of faith in Disney in general. Like, there's just it's been delivering a lot of – bad content and uh i'll watch it right but like i'm just not as excited about it anymore going to aw in rochester in september is a makeup from last year would have been where Brody debuted in his hometown too. R.I.P. Man, yeah, that would have been incredible. And see, the AEW was at such like a peak moment at that point. That was going to be blood and guts as well. And like, man, just it's uh, it's tough to see. It's it's just bad luck, I guess. We need AEW documentaries, DVDs, etc. I mean, yeah, they do. The countdown shows are really good. The um, they sometimes go a little bit behind the scenes and stuff. I don't know, man. I don't know if DVDs are the answer anymore. I think now more it's probably just gonna be like a digital, um, digital program or something you can download or maybe watch on fire as a documentary or something. But like, I don't know. DVDs seem like away in the past. I'm back. You were missed, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Did you talk about anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. It's been dead silent this whole entire time. <laughs> no. Talked about some stuff, low-key. And then also... Um, Sean is going to Rochester to see AEW in September, and that's where Brody Lee was going to debut, and they had to that's reschedule. Right. So right. that would have that's been where cool. he's from. Yeah, Brody was from, yeah. Damn, well, that'd be that'd be fun to go to the show, though. Yeah, oh, I'm sure they'll do a tribute to him. Like the AEW is really good about knowing that kind of stuff. Yeah, little, um, little negative one action. You see negative one wrestle uh, Mandy Rose or whatever, like in the training. I just saw him like flipping around and stuff. That was pretty yeah, cool. He's doing I all do, right. 
I saw the other week, it was like, I think it was from Dark. Uh, Dark Order was like getting their hands raised by the referee and Negative One like shoved the referee into the corner and like the ref bumped for him really well. I was like, <laughs> that was pretty cool. I like Negative oh, One bad. bullying Michael people. Is, my bad. Sorry, Michael. Is Michael that's going and Sean is going um, to Boston in September. Yeah. And he says negative one can go. I mean, I'm assuming you mean like he can go in the ring, not like yeah. he can get out of the company. <laughs> but like, I, I love him, by the way, like being a part of the show. Like, I know there's some part of the fan base that doesn't like him because he's a little kid and all that stuff. I think anyone who has a problem with that, I really feel like needs to like reevaluate like their life in general. Like, if you have a problem with the son of a kid who lost his dad, who like, who this guy's dad loved this company. And like, did he wanted out of the WWE for so long, and he finally hit his stride, and like, he was killing it on all cylinders for the. I mean, and everything was going good, and he was just universally loved, and he helped take this dark order thing go from like wanting people to. It was went from X Pac heat to like one of the most over things on the show, and he had a lot to do with that. And his sons got a contract with the company. Like, I got no problem at all with that. Like, and it's not like they're pushing negative one to be the champion of the world as a kid. Like, he's. When he's eight, how cool of a story would that be one day if he sticks with it? Him on his 18th birthday, like, you know, really being a part of the roster. Like, that's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's cool. As you want to talk about long-term booking? Sheesh. Dude, I and I love they planted the seeds right away for him versus Marco Stunt, which I thought was genius. Because <laughs> I remember him and Marco squaring off one of the first weeks he was on the show. And negative one saying to him on the microphone saying, like, you're so pathetic. Like, you always need bigger people to help you. When I'm 18, I'm going to be so much bigger than you are. Like, I'm going to beat you up when I'm older. Like, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, that would be hilarious if that actually happened. Like, I I think it'd be great. You keep, uh, what is this one dude I keep seeing in the chat? You keep, I, uh, think, I think that that's that guy. The, guy. the Corey, the Bob Dawson, uh, all the same guy. <laughs> that, that mega troll. Dude, yes. just, hey, just so you know, dude, if this is you, like, I will never respond to anything you do. So, I mean, you can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. You will never, this is, this is the most I will ever respond to anything like that, but I'll never respond on Twitter and you're just going to get completely ignored. So, um, like, just, just think you know. about this, think about this, this dude acted like he was some mega fan of like the show and like all the stuff that we did for like a month. I think he was and on then, my series of Jesse too, even. So there you go, right? Yeah. For like a month. And then he says that he's going to the AEW double or nothing, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, have a good time. That's awesome, right? And then he makes this proclamation that he fooled me and you and that he is <laughs> not going. And he got one like on Twitter. One like on Twitter. Probably himself. And it was probably himself, right? And like... That was it. That was like you gave up a month of your time to do that. Like, how <laughs> big of a loser are you? Yeah, we, like, don't even, we shouldn't even talk. Like, that's it's not even we're talking about. Like, that's this so is nuts, lame. though. Like, the fact yeah. that you are that big of a loser that you would give up a month of your time to dedicate, like, <laughs> go find a hobby. Like, you are pathetic. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. um, sad. So, anyways, UFC 263. Yes. Uh, I thought the show was was dope, right? Um so I guess we could just talk about the three fights. Uh 
It, well, and I, I did I did love the fight of the night too. I thought that was a really good fight. Um, oh, Dober and Riddell. Yeah, Riddell, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a great fight. But uh, man, the Nate Diaz, the entrance was so dope, dude. Like he came out and see, like I'm such a mark for stuff like this. Um, although I don't understand the front hat with the hoodie, it, it looks terrible. But whatever, I'll, I'll let him slide. But he came out to DMX. And then before, right before he gets into the octagon, Tupac hits. And it's just like, let's go. And the crowd is so loud. Like, unbelievable, right? If you were a booker, like, you couldn't have booked that match better with the baby face and the heel if that's how you were going to do it. Like, he lost 24 minutes of that fight. And the last minute, he almost won, and it's like he won the fight. Like at the end, like there's nobody that's thinking like, "Ah, Nate, it's time to hang it up," or "Oh, you know, whatever." Like it's like it, his stock only rose. Is a per? I was giving the same example on on a, one of the shows I did this week about how it was a perfect example, like wrestling wise, pretty much exactly what you just said. When you're trying to get over someone, even when they lose a, a match, like this is the same concept where like Nate stock went up, even though he lost. Cause had, had that last round not happened, those questions would have been asked. Like you, like you said, is he overhyped? Is he, is he declining in, in talent? Like he went out there. Cause Leon Edwards did piece him up for the first four rounds. Unquestionably. Oh. Like unquestionably. Well, and let's, let's have an honest conversation. Like the Diaz brothers has got to do something about leg kicks, man. Like oh, yeah. their stance is just wide open, but it's like, that's career long though. That, that's oh, always sure. been. Yeah. Sure, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, you could tell they really hurt Nate. But, like, Nate ain't no bitch, and you ain't going to beat him with leg kicks. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, like was hamburger me, too. I mean, that's just destroyed. And he, and he had to, like, pause a couple of times to, like, just get enough strength to walk forward. But there's, like, no way Nate is going down to leg kicks. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, and like, but, like, the distance. Like, he could not get in. Like, the, like Leon was just perfect with the distance. And like you said that like Leon had no ground game, but well, like I thought in whoa. comparison, no, and I've, I've, I have admitted, uh, I've admitted that I was wrong about that all week. I mean, like that's, I, I do owe Leon Edwards an apology for under, under like, like seriously underrating his ground game. He had Nate's yeah. back at certain points. I mean, like, yes. I mean, Leon is a much, much, I mean, I knew on the feet he was going to be faster and his boxing was probably going to be better and his kickboxing in general was going to be better, but he really, really impressed me on the ground. So like, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I definitely will admit what I was wrong there about Leon Edwards. Uh, he's way more well-rounded than I thought he was. It was a terrible matchup for Nate. It really was. Like, I understand why Nate wanted the fight, just a simple fact that, like, it really puts him up in the rankings. But, I mean, like, Leon Edwards is dead. But, like, I really didn't like his approach to the fight. I felt like he could have been a little bit more aggressive, and I feel like he could have possibly gotten Nate out of there. Like, he really was breaking Nate down, and it seemed like he was just content to take that thing to a decision, and he paid for it. And, like, 
how can you think you deserve a title shot by almost getting knocked out in the last minute and think that like that cemented you for sure to get a title shot? You have to finish Nate Diaz or at least like really hurt him, get him in a dominant position to where you possibly could have won. Like it literally was just like him picking him apart from a distance is basically how it went. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, But I, I do think that, Edward, like I wouldn't have a problem at all if Edwards got the next shot. I mean, if they're if they're gonna do Colby versus Usman, like I'm fine with Leon Edwards fighting the winner of that because I thought he had done enough to deserve a title yep. shot before even taking the Nate fight. So like, but I think the way that things will, I think in a perfect world, the way that things play out now. And by the way, like Nate Diaz, we didn't talk about, but he almost stopped him in the fifth round. And like, he like very, very close to stopping the fight at the end. I mean, looked great. Yeah. I mean, rocked the piss out of him. Like he was on, like his legs were about gone. And one weird thing that always happened whenever Nate was getting close, like he always ended up getting like in the clinch or like too close. He could never just keep his distance to keep his punches going. So like when he had him rocked and he's charging him, he always he just ended up against the fence and it bought more time for Leon, you know. Yeah. So like Leon found ways to like definitely avoid dangerous strikes. So I do give him credit for that too. And this is just one quick point that I wanted to say though, is like I think we really underestimate Connor's power because Connor dropped Nate five times, and like Leon didn't drop Nate at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I, I'm. I. I actually. I know you mean you like as a generalization, but like yes. I've. I. I feel like I've you. always felt that way about Connor. Like I know he's got dynamite in his hands. That's why I pick him as often as I do for fights because I, right. I. I recognize that, but I know a lot of people probably don't. I'm so, just saying, yeah. just in the general public, right? Like yeah. people just think because Connor's been losing, like he's washed or whatever. But like you got to think, like drop Nate five times, and like Leon connected quite a few times. Didn't drop Nate at all. Like Connor has some serious power. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Um, and then, like to your kind of bringing up the title shot, I think like in a perfect world, probably. I mean, they're gonna they're still gonna do uh, Colby and Usman, which I'm fine with. The first fight was close, and Colby's the only one I think stylistically that has like a really good chance of like actually beating Usman. I still think Usman's gonna win, but like Colby, I think has a chance. Um, but after that, like. They got to figure out, does Leon want to wait out a title shot? And if it's going to be a long time and he's going to stay active, I mean, the obvious thing is do him and Masvidal. Because now has yeah. never been a better time than yeah. now to do, to do that. And then – What makes that fight interesting too is I think Masvidal has a real shot against Leon. Because yeah, I think it's a really good matchup, yeah. Because Masvidal can stand and strike with him, and I don't think Leon has the power enough to put Masvidal away. And so, like, I think that that could be a, a, a fight, a real yeah. fight. And they obviously have the build up for the three piece in a soda and all yep. that stuff. So it's like there's like the fights, the fights tells itself. And it's like if um, Masvidal wins that fight, like he's right back in the rankings. Exactly. And, and and he's a guy who like is gonna need those kind of wins because two losses to Usman, like he's yep. not getting another chance. So like um and then on the other side of it with Nate, because of how good he looked in the last round, especially. I really think they should do the loser of Connor and Poirier fights Nate because then you got the trilogy with him and Connor, or you got him and Dustin, which we has been booked before and like we want like that's a badass fight. And yeah. the winner of Dustin Connor obviously fights Oliveira for the title. So like I think I think this all leads to like 
just and what stems coming off of the Leon Edwards uh, Diaz fight is potentially like three or four like really big like quote unquote super fights or like money fights. Um, I feel everybody involved is in a really really good spot with all this. Yeah, the only thing is with Nate, like I don't think he's ever going to go to 155. I think he, at 36 years old, I just don't think he's going to cut the weight anymore. But they can do him and him, Connor and Poirier are all down to fight at welterweight. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just saying, like I think that that, but like they do like to do the number one contenders and all that other BS, and they like to sometimes they just don't want to do a mega fight if it doesn't have a division in it. Um, I personally would like to see Nate and Poirier. I think that'd be a great fight. I think yeah, I would, I would love that fight. I was um, really bummed out when that one got pulled. Like Nate basically just like decided not to do the pay per view. Well, and Nate like kind of treated Poirier like he wasn't on his level, and I think now he would definitely recognize him as on his level. So yes. I think that that wouldn't be a problem. And I think people view Poirier completely different at this point as well. Like even if yeah. Connor knocked out Poirier in their next fight, right? Like I still think that. Poirier has elevated himself no matter what. 100%. He, he is unquestionably a much bigger star after beating Connor than he was before their fight. Like, so no matter what happens to Poirier going forward, he is, he's honestly probably close to like double the star he was. I mean, there's fans like me and you have been following him since, you know, WBC. Right. But like, but to like the quote unquote like casuals, like they probably knew the name, but like, He's he's on a completely different level to them after beating Connor for sure. Well, he like I don't he didn't fight Khabib after like before that either, right? Like he's no. fought Khabib, he's fought Connor, like he's fought some big names to definitely you know get his name out there. So yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's interesting where they go. Um, it all depends on next month, which I can't believe it's happening already. That's crazy. But at man, full stadium, Connor and Dustin, that is going to be fire. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah. So little Brandon Moreno. I mean, like I thought, the story. Kid, I thought the kid was going to get destroyed. Honestly. Um, I do think that, I do think that Figueroa, he does not need to fight at that division anymore. He needs to move up. I He's think killing he, himself to get the feather to fly away. Dude, he made weight with 40 seconds left. Yeah. Like yeah. that Literal is a photo, photo finish to get to hit the scales. Like, like what if what if he was off that 0.5 pounds or whatever and he just took it to, like he barely made it. So and he, and he was talking about wanting to fight for the Bantamweight title during the build up to this fight. So you can already tell he was like the seed had been planting in his mind. Like, I'm not going to be able to make this wait much longer. So but like, he didn't look fast. He looked slow. He looked lethargic. He looked like, he didn't look like anywhere close to the fight that he had with Moreno the first time. And I don't think Moreno's improved that much, but like not that much as his overall career, just between those two fights. Right. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I think that uh, he's a great story though. And the fact that it happened in Arizona, like that's perfect for that crowd. Like it was uh it was a wild like to get the Diaz fight and then the next fight after that to get get that Moreno and Figueroa fight, like that that was like the end of the show for a lot of people, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Nate I mean Nate was unquestionably be unquestionably the biggest star on the whole thing. I mean massive like, we, pop. Yeah. Yeah, we we knew that'd be the case going into it, but it was like very clear that he was the biggest star of the whole show. And then Brandon Moreno, hell of a story, like you said. I mean, he, this is a guy who was the last pick on his season of tough. 
He was cut from the company like a couple fights into his career or into his UFC run. He lost wound two up, fights and they cut him. And then wound up fighting his way back into the company, went to a draw with the champion, and then won the title. Like yep. rear naked choke, undisputed, second or third rounds, round, rounds too. Third round. Like, third round. Like, and he yeah. won all of them. He dominated him. Yeah, he looked damn good. And, and from all accounts, anyone I've heard say anything about the guy is all positive. Like, everyone loves this guy. He's only 27 years old. I think he's currently the youngest champion in the whole company. Like, he's – I mean, and also, I mean, first – I think he's the first Mexican-born. Yes, Like, like I know, like, Tito is like has the heritage and Kane Velasquez Kane, and stuff. Yeah. But, like – but, yeah, I mean, this is – and it's – it's honestly mind blowing. It's taken this long, considering the the history of uh, Mexico with boxing, that it's taken this long to get an, a UFC champion. But like Brandon Marino is that guy, and yeah. like yeah, I think he's going to be real big for the market. He's a very likable guy. He's still in his prime. I mean, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. So this was all a giant yeah. win for the UFC and for Brandon Marino and for the flyweight division because. We thought this is crazy was- to me about the flyweight division, how yeah. dead it was and well, now when, how when, much on fire it is. Well, we literally thought it was dead when, when DJ got traded. Yes. So it was like, we thought it, this was all gone. And then Cejudo saved the division. And then and honestly, tired. it would have been if without Cejudo that this division would have been dead. hundred percent. If Cejudo would have lost the mighty mouse in the rematch, we, none of this would have happened that yep. we're talking about right now. Um, so it's, it's cool that we've also seen since then, like we had the rise of Figueredo and, and, you know, I think Figueredo's future is going to be at Bantamweight, but we had a good run from him. Now we got Marino with that belt. And, like, there's some um, – like I saw, I think Askarov just got booked for yep. a fight. Um, He's fighting and- the guy that just lost to Figueredo before Marino, Perez. Oh, Alex Perez, yeah. Yes. So, so that's that's for the number contender, basically, that fight. Because um, Askarov – because you also have Pantoja in the mix. Pantoja has beat Marino before, but Pantoja, I think, is coming off a loss. So, like, there. the point is there's there's a good little, like, group of contenders at the top there that make for, you know, either rematches or fresh matchups with these guys we're talking about. So this is – this is all good news for the flyweight division, and and I'm I'm very very happy for Brandon Marino. Like I I think the guy's awesome, and he seems like a great dude. So, you know, two thumbs up for that guy. What's up, Kogan? Yeah, we had a really good wrestling chat with uh, Jared, um, kind of behind the scenes of what's it like to be in the business and all that stuff. So definitely check it out when you got some time. Yeah, what's up, Kogan? Um, the Izzy fight, like, just. It, it it wasn't competitive. It wasn't and, and I will give this though. First of all, showmanship to Izzy, props, Lincoln Park, love it. The oh, talking about how grabbing his ass, the showmanship. No, that's part of it too. <laughs> we can get there. But just all that stuff matters. Like he's had that dancing entrance before and all that stuff. Like that's how you build a star. Like all these moments, take advantage of the ones you can. You know what I mean? And he always does. So props to him for that. As a pro wrestling fan, I really appreciate it. Um, I felt like Vittori was super emotional, like the whole time, the the buildup, the press conferences, everything. Like when he was coming to the ring, he looked like he was about to cry. Um, I feel like Izzy was completely in his head. Like just he wanted to kill him and – he he fought a weird fight. Like I felt like he should have dirty box takedowns, clinch, Randy Couture type style, and he fought like 
a boxer versus a kickboxer, and it did not go well. Yeah, I, he got that that one takedown real early, and I thought that was going to be yep. maybe a key for him. Caught, but then, for, caught for a leg kick, and I thought that was at least going to calm down on the leg kicks too, but it didn't stop. Izzy wasn't worried about it. Yeah, so. yeah, and and Izzy just Izzy's takedown defense was really good, and his striking was just way better. So, yeah, this was a this was kind of an easy night in the office for for Izzy, and and yeah. I heard him I heard him afterwards talking about a specific point in the fight when he knew he was going to win. He basically said, I don't know how early on it was, maybe in like the second round or something. Izzy said there was a moment when they were kind of scrambling on the ground and Adesanya grabbed the Tory by the throat and like looked him right in the eyes. And he saw, and he could tell the Tory's whole, his everything changed about like, yeah. like it's like there was the moment there where like they both realized Adesanya was like, had him like, it was just like, you're there's the levels for me where yeah. I knew was when he had his back and he had the choke in and Izzy got out of the choke yeah, and easy. then he got full out, and then he got up, and he just like at that point it was over. I knew it was over. And then there was time too where he took him down, and Izzy was able to kick off the fence and spin him. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So like Izzy's not just like acting like a, a fish out of water and having no idea what to do on the ground. Like he was able to get up and do all that. So it's good for him. Like um, definitely good bounce back fight for him. Uh, makes you feel like Robert Whitaker is not the favorite going into this thing. Makes you feel like the old Israel Adesanya is back or whatever. So yeah, that's got to be the the fight too. <clears throat> Whitaker and Adesanya match next for sure. And then I think that you're hoping Darren Till can win, and then you can run him and Izzy to because that's just a big fight. And uh, and then after that, man, I like you better yeah. hope that like Evan Holland learns how to. To stop takedowns or something like that, because well, yeah, because because that you're in a position with all those <clears throat> all those guys are going to be either rematches or trilogies, basically at this point for Adesanya. Like he's going to just keep. So I I think the winner of Till and Brunson, like no matter who wins, it gets it. And I, yep. I think I think they want Till for like obvious reasons, marketing wise. But well, and he fought Brunson and beat the crap out of him already. Yeah, but but once again, like he's more recently beat everyone ahead of him also. Yep. So like he's really in a clearing out the division situation yep. already, and. Uh, and Till's the only guy with like name value, and of course, if they did that on you know on their part of the world and stuff, like it would be a huge, huge marketing wise fight. And you, get, you know, two guys that are still young that are both good strikers, and so like, th- so I think the company wants Darren Till to get in a position to be no more contender to to fight Adesanya. But I also have to be fair to Derek Brunson because he's in a position too where I think his last win was um. His last win was um oh my god I'm blanking on the guy's name he beat and, and, Ronda's boy yeah that's right he beat uh, Shabazian yeah and he also beat um the same guy that Vittori just beat on the way to his title Holland. shot Holland, Holland that's right done I was I was blanking so Holland so so Brunson I think at that point too considering that Adesanya's beat everyone ahead of him already more recently yeah. I think Brunson deserves a shot too if he beats Till so like. That's your that's your chain of your kind of chain there, I think, right now is um Adesani and Whitaker, then the winner fights the winner of uh Brunson and uh Darren Till. 
Yeah. No, I'm with you. And, and then I think you got to find a way to get Paulo Costa back in the octagon. You do Costa versus Vittori. Yeah. And honestly, Costa, if he, um, if he, you know, works his way up the rankings, I think Costa and Izzy's a fight you could do again. Um, because I, I do think there's something weird about that fight. Like, I don't think yeah, Costa he was. A, he blamed a hangover. Yeah. Which, I mean, whatever. That could be. He's <laughs> party animal, I guess. But. I, I do think that they could have there's heat there still, right? Too, so you could still sell the fight. Like, I would be okay with the rematch. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's getting close though. Where Izzy's just about two or three fights away from like completely cleaning this division out. Yeah, and you know that's why I didn't really have a problem with him going up to light heavyweight and fighting right. uh, Blahovich. The only issue I had with that fight at all was that I thought Teixeira was going to get boxed out, but he's going to get the title shot next anyway, so it wound up working out fine. But that's the thing is, like, Adesanya at some point is going to have to make the full move to light heavyweight, um, unless he just, like, totally falls off as a middleweight and has to, like, climb back to the title or something. But, like, he's going to he's gonna be in a position soon where he's going to have beaten, like, all the top guys multiple times. Yeah. And then, like, he's going to have to make that move to light heavyweight probably, so... Or just yes. keep clear, or just keep clearing out the division. I mean, there's also no problem in being like the best middleweight ever either. I mean, yep. like, I mean, Anderson Silva, best middleweight ever up to this point. But like, if Israel Asani just keeps beating everyone the way he's beating people, he'll be in the conversation for you know goat in that weight class at least. Well, I was looking at like Anderson had ten title defenses, and Izzy's at four four right now. So, um, I mean, he can just work his way up and try to get to eleven because it could happen. Yeah, especially if he gets some, you know, more kind of spectacular knockouts. Because that's the thing that's always going to put um, Silva in, like, the GOAT conversation for me. is yes. like, you know, I don't think he was the best of all time, pound for pound. But, like, I don't, like, dispute people who credit him because I'll never forget the way he was able to take out guys like Vitor Belfort and stuff. Like, I mean, there's just – there was a, then an aura about Anderson Silva in his prime that, like, if you weren't around to watch it as it was happening, you just don't understand – what this guy meant to MMA when he was on top. Yeah. But I mean, it was kind of a short window, right? Like maybe like three, four years, but like same point, he was old, man. Like he was at the tail end of his career when he got signed with the UFC. And I thought Chris Lieben was going to work him. I was so wrong about that. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. I wish I I would put money on that. I saw him got heel hooked and cried. And I was like, this guy's not that good. Like that's all I really knew about him was the heel hook. See the so, cage because see he was taken off in cage rage. The the and, Tony Fricklin. Yes. Yeah. And when he did that, I was like, whoa. And then he beat Lee Murray. And I was like, okay, so he beat Lee Murray. Like everyone talks about how legendary, like how hard Lee Murray hits and everything like that. And like Anderson was able to take it no problem. And I was just like, such a high and not only that, like Lieben was the brawler, and Anderson was so like more technical. So I was just like, dude, he's about to peace leaving up. And like, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Like, yeah. it was incredible. I'll never forget how bad the beatdown was, how fast it was, and then how Anderson Silva gave Chris Lieben his water bottle, like, afterwards, because, yeah. like, he didn't need it. <laughs> it was like, it was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I remember Joe Rogan on commentary being yeah. like, for those of you who don't watch Pride, I get it, but like, there's this is going to be such a mismatch. Like, Anderson yep. is going to kill Chris Levin. And like, and I watched Pride and like, I was aware of Anderson, but once again, I'd seen him lose. Like, he looked very mortal to me in Pride. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Rio Chonin. Rio Chonin right. got that hill hook on him. 
but that yeah. was it. But yeah, and I always mix Anderson and Pele up. And so like, oh I, yeah. So I was just like, which one's that? Is that the one that fought Chuck in a bare knuckle fight? And, and that was <laughs> right. Pele. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I I knew because he was still really getting a lot of buzz on Cage Rage, like on Sheer Dog and stuff like that. And I had seen some clips, and I was like, oh, he's about to kill him. <laughs> And boy, did that happen. And then with, with Rich Franklin, even, I was like, yeah, he's going to murk him. And, like, back then, it was, like, shoot a box and all that, and he was kind of still a part of that. And so I knew that, like, the way that Vanderlei destroyed guys in the clinch, I knew that, like, he could do the same thing. And Oh, that, my that was God. A whole, oh, my God. That was a whole era of MMA that, like, if y'all missed out on that, like, shoot a box at one point because it was – Vanderlei, Shogun, Anderson, like all those, the Nogueras were like in and out of there and stuff. Like you had, Ninja. yeah, yeah Shogun's uh, brother, Ninja. Brother, yeah. Um, man, I mean, like that was like, and those dudes were known for like having like full on fights for yep. training. Like there it wasn't like light sparring. It was like nope. if you were the man in that gym, and by the way, the man was Shogun. Well, the man was Vanderlei, but like. Shogun had to kind of be in Vanderlei's shadow until Vanderlei kind of got out of the way, and then Shogun like broke out. But like, and then they had like a rivalry with Brazilian top team with the Nogueira brothers and Arona and Mario Spiri and like all of them. Like and that was, was Anderson went to Nogueira yep. instead, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. I remember all that. Man, those were some fun, fun times in MMA. That was such the wild west of MMA. Still, yep. like. No one knew how to really train or like what was really the best style or, but we, but you knew that those, those animals from Brazil over at Shootabosh were ready to kill people. So like, yes. um, so yeah, that, that was, man, that was a fun time. Well, you know, what's funny too, is like, I really feel like now in pride, like they would have done Vanderlei and like Koto Ibushi. Like as big as a star as Kodo is, <laughs> yeah. like that's what they did though. Oh they yeah. Put, I remember like the Sakurabas with like, the the pro wrestling stars and like they would put Vanderlei in there with some Japanese tomato can and he would absolutely destroy that man. Do I remember Shibata getting beat a whole bunch? Yes. Um, he fought like who did he fight that was like really? He fought like someone who was like a really big name at one point too. Um, I just gotta look it up just because now I'm like I won't be able to stop thinking about it. But I remember that happening and being like. Because I love Shibata, but like, but like his MMA you, career was a joke. If you won like an Olympic medal in judo or anything like that, you were going to Pride. You were like right. fighting Vanderlei <laughs> and like all that. Like, God, they put Yoshida and Vanderlei together. Oh, uh, the names I was trying to—it was actually two people. A uh, sexy Amo was one of them that he fought. Yes. And yes. Uh, Mayhem Miller, he fought also. That was the Shibata other fought Mayhem. Shibata fought Mayhem in wow. on, on Dream Three in two thousand and eight. Really? Um, yeah, I got knocked out in the first round, TKO. But, but that was mayhem. A, well, Shibata lost like all of the MMA fights. He was That's uh, crazy. He was he's such four, a badass. Four, four and eleven MMA record. God dang, um, that probably he, helped his concussion issue. He fought Sakuraba. Did he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, was that but, in a was that in a Dream Show or was uh, that a Pride? It was Heroes, but that I think Heroes and K1, Dream basically co-promoted. Yeah, uh, they did like a K One Romamax or Romanex or something yeah. like that. They had those huge production entrances, and that's where BJ fought Leoto Machida, right? At uh, at like at like heavyweight. Yes, I think. yeah, two hundred five, two hundred five. Okay. But like they didn't really cut weight, so um. 
And then, yeah, Shibata's first MMA fight was in 04. He fought in Jungle Fight. Dude, that's so wow. wild. I remember uh, Jockery from Jungle Fight. Yes. Wow. Man. He probably got paid like three grand. It was probably like his excursion. They're just like, yeah, it's pretty much pro wrestling. Just like, let's <laughs> go do this. Man. Because like Koto Ibushi was a kickboxer, I guess. Like before, like he, he did have some kickboxing experience. So like, I feel like they'd have thrown him in there with pride. <laughs> I feel like Nakamura would have fought. Like, I feel like he a did. lot of guys. Shinsuke Nakamura did some MMA. But like in pride, like oh, they yeah, not in pride, yeah. They yeah. would have set that stuff up back then. That's what they used to do is kind of merge the two. Oh yeah, I remember um Alberto Del Rio fighting Krokov. Like, yeah, <laughs> he took a a head kick to the to top of his head. The mask, like, right there with the mask. <laughs> Dos Caros Jr. Yeah, I remember um, like when that happened. Um, I remember when that happened. I was like. Like th- this is goofy, right? It it almost looked like a work, and then like later on, I found out that was Alberto Del Rio, and I was like, "What? No crap! Wow!" Yeah, and it kind of looks like a work because like he barely gets him with the kick, like it kind of like glances him. Now, granted, yeah. like Krokop glancing never kick to me, too. like yeah, I'm sure he would knock me out. I'm not saying it was fake by any means. I'm just have saying, you ever like, seen when Izzy got knocked out in K1? I feel like I had to have seen that. It's like a guy named I think his name's like Mike Pereira. Yeah, you know, the guy he, like the guy that. who is is like really legit now. I know yeah. I know the guy he lost to is like the man in kickboxing now. But like it doesn't look like that hard of a shot. Like it's just a perfect time shot and Izzy falls like a tree. I mean completely out cold. Yeah, that's possible too. You just get someone in in the right spot and I mean that's a lot yeah. of it's about coming forward and then the punch coming as well and you're not seeing it like that's when it really that's when you go yeah so but yeah that's uh that's the reminiscent of the good old days right there yeah i miss those days god i loved i loved pride it was amazing yeah but i I did I, i did hate the fact that like it was so separated, though. Like, you had no idea who was good, like, how the UFC guys would do and all that. Like, you mean, you got Chuck to come over and stuff, but, like, it wasn't reciprocated, and so you just never really knew. And so, like, you would argue all the time, who's the best? Is it Vanderlei? Is it Chuck? Is it Tito? Is it, you know, whatever? Like, it was Is it Gomi? <laughs> Is it Gomi? Like, especially at 155, and then yeah. BJ beat Gomi at Rumble and the Rock. And then that yeah. settled that. And then that, like, really rose BJ's stock. Dude, I remember, like, there was a minute there was, like, Paulo Filo was, yep. like, the top, like, yep. pound for pound or, or top in his weight class, but, like, wasn't fighting a yep. whole lot of guys, but was, like, in pride. But then, like, what? Yeah, man. I, and then he, like, went through time. his mental handicap in WEC, that weird stage, and jail terrible. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, he got really, really bad after, but yeah, Chael, yeah, that was a whole mess because he was supposed to fight Chael for the title and, and yep. he missed weight. And so Chael beat him, but didn't win yep. the title. That was yep. such BS. Yep. Poor Chael. <laughs> yeah. Just, there was always that one guy or that one thing stopping or himself stopping. You can't feel that bad. He kind of did a lot of stuff to himself too. Like, dude, like the, 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 the triangle choked at Anderson though. Like he's never going to forget about that. Like he dude. was so close to taking everything away. 
I I'll never forget exactly where I was when I watched that fight because it was it was inside it was in a bar I was in college still at the time yeah. I was in a bar called Retrievers in Statesboro Georgia and it was a bar that we always went to on the weekends and they'd have the fights up on the TVs but like that was kind of secondary most people were there I was there to watch the fights with my buddies but most yeah. people were you know it's like a bar and you're dancing Saturday, and you're getting drunk yeah. yeah and then it packed out like a ton of people like shoulder to shoulder. And I'll never forget that, like, word started spreading throughout that fight of, like, and they're saying, I know, like, no one's talking and everyone's watching the fights. Yeah. And everyone's super invested because even if they don't watch, they're hearing, like, Anderson Silva is apparently, like, this unbeatable champion and this, this American is going to beat him for the title. And I went to a school in, like, the South. So it's, like, everyone's USA, yeah. USA. And it's, oh, like, God, so, gosh. oh, dude, I was the only one. Like, I had so many moments in that bar, like, almost getting beat up. Like, I was there. I was rooting for GSP when he beat uh, Matt Hughes for the title, and people yeah. were like threatening me because it was like I was against America somehow yeah. for that, you know. Yeah. So, but but I'll never forget that because the whole bar was watching. And then when Anderson put him in that triangle choke, that whole place lost it. They were it was like this huge moment that I'll never forget. It was the most amount of people I've ever seen that had no interest in fighting get completely invested in a fight. Yeah, and that's. That's what fighting does, though, right? Like, you don't even have to know the story, and you just all of a sudden watch it, and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa. But I mean, like, what made that so crazy is, like, the whole reason the fight was set up is because Shale Irving Anderson laid an egg with Damian Maya, and they right. needed somebody to go after Anderson. And, like, that killer Anderson was gone. Like, he laid an egg with Patrick Cote. He started to not have these great, exciting fights anymore. And here comes Big Mouth Chael, who just says, I'm going to run right through him. And who it wasn't worked. a Big Mouth before. Like, and just it, like, right. became that Pro to get the Anderson Chael, fight. Yeah. Right. And it worked. And like, for four minutes and whatever long, I don't like, I think it was only like a minute left in the fight, two minutes left in the fight. Like, it worked. And, and he was be- just like a mega superstar. And then he, he tapped and then the and then he was never the same. Like yeah. he, and he also he, failed his post fight, so that would have been really interesting if he beat Anderson and had to, like he would have had to give up the title. Like very that would have true. been a whole mess. But. Very true. But then Anderson fails his test too. Not that fight, but later on. So right. it's like both both their legacies have some some tainted. Speaking of that, Anderson's boxing this weekend. Yeah, um, shout out to Fight TV. They actually gave me a promo code to watch it. So okay, gonna, yeah. So go. I'm, I'm I'm gonna watch it. I might even do a live stream, um, on Fightful potentially for that. Maybe we'll see. Um, but he's fighting uh, uh not I know it's Chavez, but it's not the Chavez I was thinking of. Um, I was thinking of like uh, Caesar Chavez, but it's like uh, not him, right? It's just it's his son. His son. That's right. Okay, that's why yeah, I was getting junior. confused. Is okay. Do you know not, anything about him? I know. I know about it. I know about like the OG, like the one I was thinking of, but I don't know anything about his son. Think about like the ultimate failed son prodigy. Like he is not, he's not David Flair, but he's, he's like that to where like everything that his dad, everything that his dad was, he's the complete opposite like his dad was a blood and guts badass and he is like no heart doesn't want to train um spoiled rotten brat type that's lived off his dad's name that was 
pushed to the moon and had pay-per-view headline fights and just like quit randomly during the fight, just showed no heart. Like that's mm. the type of guy he is. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I didn't know that at all. So this is a fight that is very winnable for Anderson, it sounds like? It's a credible opponent, and it's winnable. That's good. Because like okay. he's fought Sergio Mora on pay-per-view. He's fought big fights, and he's lost. But he has been in big moments on pay-per-view. And so, like, this isn't just, like, a nobody or a celebrity boxer. And he, he did have a nice record before he started to have to fight really legit fighters. But like I said, he lived off his dad's name. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's an interesting matchup. Yeah. I, like I said, I mean, I, since they hooked me up, I'll, I'll watch it. You know, they actually gave, they gave me codes for that and for the next Triller pay-per-view, which I don't even know who's on it, but. So I, to Lopez, I can't pronounce his first name. Yeah, he tested I, positive for COVID. Oh, that's what that show was. I saw that yes. he tested, and they had to move it back a month or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't okay. know what they're doing there now. Okay. But Vitor's on that card. Oh, that's right. He's that's fighting right. some guy named, like, Tarzan Man from YouTube. And the guy <laughs> – listen, listen to this. Listen to this. He literally said that he wants, like – a bloody brawl with Vitor Belfort. He, oh God. Like he thinks he's, he's has said that he's going to beat the shit out of Vitor. What's what else gloves are they wearing? Like eights or tens? Whatever it is. I don't think it's going to matter. Well, I'm just saying, cause like, cause I mean, I, and I know this is like pro, but like, cause we hadn't even talked about Aaron Carter versus Lamar Odom yet. Um, oh, but, no, um, we haven't, but we're going to, but cause I mean, there's such a big difference. Cause like there's even, like the, they they had that TikTokers versus YouTube uh, event recently, like this yeah. past week. Yeah. And I didn't watch it, but I did see a couple highlights. And Phase yeah. um, uh, Jarvis, who I'm, I was actually aware of beforehand because I know a little bit about the Fortnite scene, and he was like he was like this banned Fortnite player who like okay. wound up like becoming even bigger as a vlogger. Okay. And he went in there, and his opponent was this guy Michael Lee, who I don't I don't know who he is or or why he's famous or whatever, but like. Faze Jarvis went in there and pieced him up and like looked yep. good. I was like, oh, this look this kid looks like he can actually box. Like this, and they, well, there was no headgear and they were wearing like eights or tens. And it was like, okay, like this is did, actually pretty good. Did you see that Jarvis went into uh Jake Paul's house and they got into it? What do you oh like the two of them were going back and forth? Yeah, Isn't like Jake like, way I'm, bigger than he is. I don't know, but he's like, I thought yeah. we were friends. And he's like, no, we ain't friends, bitch. And he's like, well, we can do this on site then. And then they were like ready to fight. And oh, Jake's wow. like, we'll go get the gloves. And like, they had to be broken up. So maybe that leads to a potential fight between those yeah. two. I mean, interesting. I mean, Jarvis, like, he seems like a pretty likable guy. What got him banned from Fortnite, just for what it's worth, is he streamed himself using what's called an aim bot, which like basically helps you shoot opponents and stuff. But he was, uh, but but he was doing it as like a, as like a this is what it looks like when people cheat video. No, he wasn't like actively cheating. He was like showing what it looks like when people cheat. How people cheat. And he got banned from the game for life over it. And. Wow. 
but then like became like like I said an even bigger vlogger. Like he got way bigger than he would have even if he had stayed with Fortnite. So it worked out well. And I was very impressed with. I mean, once again, I don't know anything about his opponent or how good that guy was. But Jarvis looked he looked confident. Like he was throwing good punches, good combos. He has knockout power. Like, um. So which leads us to probably the last thing we should talk about tonight. What a way to end the show, dude. I. I have I was bent over gasping for breath like sweating. I could I was that was the hardest I've laughed in so so long. Like my brother was like checking on me like making sure I was okay cuz I was like on the ground holding my stomach like I couldn't stop laughing. That was the even just the face off between Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter, just the size difference. And they're wearing this giant headgear and these 20 ounce gloves. <laughs> I felt I felt so bad for Chuck. I was like, really? Oh, like, I this keep is, forgetting this he was is... even in bulk. He was the uh, least rocking of those three guys. And he's like, he's like literally like running to try to catch Aaron Car- Carter because he's like knows how much in trouble. He, this is it was so. But dude, how about when Aaron Carter just went up to Lamar Odom and just <laughs> just asked, like this is like straight up like Cartoon Network. Well, it's the best because you could see through the headgear that Lamar Odom was laughing while that was happening, <laughs> and he also was so long and tall yes. that like he couldn't just punch him, so he had to like shove him out of the way. <laughs> and I'm not even sure if like Aaron Carter got hurt. I think he just got tired. Yeah, like he, he, he just kept out falling down. Yeah. And like, oh, good. <laughs> and then he just starts going around in circles. He starts doing three sixties. Yes. <laughs> When did you learn that in training? Like, what the hell is that? Lamar was just throwing this jab from, like, way outside because he's so much bigger than Aaron is. And here's the thing. I, like, I, it was hilarious. It was a freak show. I mean, I'm here for that kind of stuff because I, because I, because I understand what this is. Like, I know this isn't, like, a high-level thing. This is an entertainment thing. This is basically pro wrestling. I mean, but it's, but it's, like, but it's like, I Aaron Carter does have balls for like just like the size difference alone is like, you you know you're not gonna beat this guy. So like the fact that he even made the walk because we've also had celebrity boxing events where the show's happening and the main eventers don't even aren't even in the building. Like like Bagel Boss last year when, when he was supposed to fight. Bagel Boss. Like, uh, like Bagel Boss was supposed to fight Lenny Dykstra from yeah. the MLB. Like, mm. but like Bagel Boss didn't even show up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like there's those all those series. At least Aaron Carter made the walk, went in there knowing he was about to get his ass kicked by this NBA player. And the fans were even chanting, I want candy at him during his entrance. And he was doing the Hogan like ear cup to the crowd. <sighs> I was like, this is this is exact. And like, also, again, shout out to Fight TV. I need to put this out there too because there were people giving me shit on Twitter, going, "Oh, you paid for that?" No, I didn't. They gave that to me for free, also. So I watched it for free. I didn't pay for it, but I did watch it. There was, um, there was, uh, uh, to me, <laughs> these fights need to happen if we want celebrity boxing to go away. Like, <laughs> this is the type of stuff that, like, people will lump this into Logan Paul, Jake Paul, whether it's fair or not, they'll just lump it all into one thing and be like, I'm not watching that. 
You know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. And so, like, we need more of these. We need more of these. I'm sure there's a ton of has-been celebrities that have no career anymore that can do this. Mm. Uh, yeah, more of this stuff needs to happen so so we can kind of just move on from this. But I will say this, dude. When you see some garbage like that, like – you got to give the Paul brothers some respect. They really took oh. this thing seriously. They've been training hard. They're fighting, whether it's not the best boxers in the world, they're fighting real fighters and athletes without headgear and really trying to to win fights. Yeah. Um, who wins? Aaron Carter or CM Punk? In a, in a fight. In, in boxing. I'm going, I'm going CM Punk. Yeah, man. I'm going we, CM we, Punk. We, we can't go, go too Punk far. Too. But, 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 too but my far. point in asking that question is, like, those are the level of opponents that, like, he should have had all along. Like, who, those who are the only wins, kind of people wins, he can beat. Who wins, Aaron Carter or Marco Stunt? Well, I've never seen Marco Stunt actually fight before. Well, um, I mean, we never really see that. You you want to call that what Aaron Carter did fighting? Well, I'll say this. If they weren't wearing headgear and they were wearing 10 ounce gloves, I think Lamar was in some trouble. Like, cause I don't, cause I don't think Lamar Odom's like, like no, I don't think like he's some, pretty good at all. Like, I don't. He didn't look like he trained a day in his well, life. I'm just saying, like, if Aaron Carter lands all those to the head with no response, with no headgear and much smaller gloves, like that's actually interesting to me. Because, I, like, I think Marco might beat him. Oh no, I'd take Marco. I'd still take Marco. Um, I'm not gonna do Marco like that, and you know, but but I I I mean Aaron Carter. I mean, it just was what it was. It was exactly what I thought it would be. I mean, like, it was... Like, I grew up when that kid was getting the most beautiful women all day long, every day, to now being, like, fighting Lamar Odom with massive headgear and 20-ounce gloves with tattoos all over his face. Like, man, talk about fall from grace. This dude was banging Brooke Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, not that they were. I remember him and Hillary Duff being together. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, he got that too. Like, yeah, and no, no names, no telling what he got on the side. Like, he lived the life of kings, and now he is a bum. <laughs> oh no, he's, now he's like a SoundCloud rapper, basically. Like, yeah, he, yeah. Um, I've actually followed his story way more than most. Um, just because I. I'm I'm fascinated by that guy. Like I've watched all of his interviews. He's done the No Jumper podcast a couple of times with Adam Twenty Two. I've watched all those. Like so, like I, it just it's just interesting to me because he's a guy that you can tell isn't all there. Nope. But like, does seem like a good guy at heart, but is just can't. But blames everybody else for anything that's gone wrong to him. Like he yeah. just can't take any personal responsibility for anything. But like. I do think, but here's the thing. I do think a lot of mess up things did happen to him. Like him being a little kid as a celebrity in an age where like there wasn't a lot of cameras around and a lot of no social media and that kind of stuff. Like who knows what was happening to these child actors and actresses and stuff. And I think like, look at Bieber. Yeah. I I think that there are things that probably did really happen. Aaron Carter that are really messed up that did screw him up. But well, and he also lived in his brother's shadow. I mean, well, and when him and his brother had a big falling out too, like he claims that his brother is the reason that he became like a big alcoholic and all this stuff because the parent. So, but there was, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of stuff where you just kind of want to feel bad for the dude. Um, And he just doesn't do himself a lot of favors though. Like, cause like, you know, he does say a lot of weird stuff and he does talk about himself. Like he's, I mean, if you were to ask him who is the biggest name in all of rap right now, he'd say Aaron Carter. 
And it's like, oh, that just isn't man. true at all. Like, mm. nobody's thinking that. But, like, like yeah, no that's how he feels still. No like, exactly. He has bodyguards that clearly hate him, but, like, yeah. just deal with it because they're getting paid. But, like, the way he talks to his bodyguards is, like, very disrespectful. Like, it's, like, it's... And so I, I know a lot about Aaron Carter, way more than the average person about Aaron Carter. And, and it's one of those things where even all that said, I do respect him for for the boxing. Like, I respect the fact that at least he trained and took it somewhat seriously. Like, I mean, it just it was just an unwinnable fight. I mean, with, with headgear yeah. that big and gloves that big and a guy that much bigger than you, you're just not going to be able to do anything. So, right. Um, it was a freak show. Um, and yeah. that's what it was supposed to be. And I, and I, like I said, I have not laughed that hard and it's been a very long time. Dude, I remember I saw, I saw that on Twitter. I saw him piece up Lamar Odom and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I knew it was going to be bad, but like, I did not, I did not <laughs> expect that. Just, and Lamar Odom just has no defense either. So he's just going to yeah. Doink, doink, doink. Well, like I'm like, saying, oh like, God. but like honestly though, like if there was no headgear and they're wearing ten ounce gloves, you think like he had, he could have beat Lamar Odom with that sequence? I think with just maybe. unanswered, just unanswered shots to the head over and over. I mean, maybe because we're also not talking about some world beater in Lamar Odom. We're talking about no. a guy who's had his own series of issues, but like he's also still a former NBA athlete who's like six foot eight or whatever the hell. Right. I mean, um. But yeah, I mean, I was surprised Aaron Carter could even get up to hit him in the face. Yeah. So, um, yeah, give me more, give me more of that stuff. I know you're going to disagree, but like, I can separate the two. Like, if you want to keep doing more of these freak show boxing fights with these kind of guys, like, I'm fine with it as long as, as long as it's not being like bundled in with on the same show as like Floyd Mayweather. Like, I don't care. Yeah, like I said, honestly, keep bringing them on because the more they happen, the more relevant <laughs> this whole thing becomes. So, like, yeah. bring it on because, I mean, I do think the Paul brothers have definitely found a niche just because, like, they're popular, right? And they found and they're a actually way to good. Buzz. They're, they're actually, actually good. good. Yeah. And like, everything's fine until they lose. So, right. you know, at the end of the day, like, if they don't. Get not like it, they can lose, but they can't get knocked out. They can't get knocked out cold. If if one of them gets knocked out cold, then that that's probably the end of it. Yeah, and here's the thing: if they get knocked out cold, like if they want to stick with it, then you have these types of guys, like do them versus Aaron Carter, or whatever. Like, I don't how about care. how about Dana, dude? He kind of <laughs> separated himself from the Tyron Woodley business. He's oh like, yeah, he's like, dude, he's lost four in a row. He's forty years old, like, and, you know. When not- you, and even Dana was like. He's like, yeah, Tyron's out there saying he's getting the biggest payday of his career. What is it? How much is yeah. it? Why isn't right. he saying it? If it's such a good payday, why is he not talking about how much money he's making? Like, right. Dana's basically calling BS and saying, yeah, Jake's getting paid a lot of money, and they're going to sell probably decent pay-per-views, but, like, Tyron's still not, like, a star. Like, he's the, he's the guy coming into – I mean, he's basically the guy coming in to, to lose to Jake Paul. I mean, he might beat him, but it's a winnable fight for Jake. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dana doesn't want anything to do with this. And that's also part of it, too, is, like, Dana didn't re-sign him. Like, they had – like, they, like, Woodley fought out his contract, and they yeah. didn't even bother re-signing him. So, right. so that's why Dana's like, hey, look, at the end of the day, like, don't come bragging to me that he beat so-and-so. Like, I don't care. Like, he's not a UFC fighter. Right. Whatever. It doesn't matter to me. So Exactly. Man, there's this one guy. I don't know if you know who he is in the media, 
but he seems somewhat new. And like he's in for a rude awakening if he thinks that he can just be like this instigator. And are you talking about? Like I, I don't know how to explain it, but in MMA, yes, he's at every. He's now at every. Uh, not, not the not the schmo. No, it's definitely not the okay. schmo. He's just like, hey, I was at the f- boxing fights last week, and so and so says I know this. that. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, and so I listened to Vitor, right? Mm-hmm. And Dana was like saying, he's like, I talked to Dana last week and I quote, he said that boxing is not getting paid as much as the UFC guys and it's all BS and, and like show me how much guys are actually getting paid. What do you got to say about that? Like going back and forth. And I'm like, dude, I don't know who you are. But this ain't the sport for you if you want to try to instigate stuff. You will get kicked out of there quick. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I've I, seen I, him recently. And he's he's asked Dana some pretty questions. I'm like, dude, if Ariel asked him this question, there would be a big problem. Yeah, I know, I know the voice. I don't know what the person looks like, but I know I know exactly what you're talking about from like listening to the the press conferences and yes. stuff. Yeah, it's I know like exactly. What you're it's like he, it's like he's used from like the boxing world and he's kind of come into MMA and like you can't talk to the MMA the same way you do in boxing. It's yeah. not the same deal. I feel like I've seen that guy or heard that guy answer ask some questions where like the people up on the podium kind of looked at each other a few times before they answered just kind of like Oh, dude, I remember this is totally random, but and I don't even remember the guy's name. I remember at one point years ago in the media, like a media member <laughs> asking Robbie Lawler a question in the post fight, and it wasn't Robbie Lawler. Like this guy was like, Robbie, in your in your fight tonight, blah blah blah. It was like some guy who fought on the prelims who looked mm. kind of like Robbie Lawler. And mm. that was when I was like, that's when that's when the real alarms went off in my head of like who exactly is getting credentialed for all this? Right. Because like they got people asking questions to fighters, they don't even know what the fighters look like. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and Ariel is like basically. I'm not saying that Dana White's costing him a job with ESPN, but I, I, that definitely doesn't help that he has a bad relationship with Dana and, and Ariel with ESPN, and there's just really no need for. It. From what I've heard, they asked Ariel to take like a 65% pay cut or something, and he was like, "I'm out." Yeah. Yeah, he was like, I'm out. Yeah. Ooh. That's what I've heard. I've heard the number could have even been higher than that, but the number that I heard like pretty confidently was they were asking between like 60 and 65% pay cut for him. They asked, I think they asked Kenny Maine to take a 61% pay cut before he decided not to resign. So like, I, I mean, don't know like, if you know, but like, man, that business is dying. Like, oh, I know all, for sure. That's why people do this kind of stuff. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. But, like, even news, like, they're all concerned. And if you actually catch news people behind the scenes, they'll say, like, our our news is dying. Like, this this form of media is dying. And yeah. it's, like, crazy that that's where we're at. And that's why, like, do you think Ariel should just go the Patreon route? I think he – yeah, he should do whatever he can himself. I, I have a suspicion that he'll do more with the WWE going forward. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be a big key to part of it. I think and this is just speculation. I think yeah. he'll wind up doing more with WWE. I think he'll really try to ramp up his own YouTube channel. And yeah. he can basically go back to doing the MMA hour or whatever he's going to wind up calling it himself independently again, cut the middleman out completely, get his own advertisers, his own sponsorships, yeah. all that stuff. <clears throat> but I think he's too big at this point 
to and part of the part of the thing to consider with Ariel is his wife and his multiple kids. So it's yep. like he can't just make a decision that's going to be like super risky either. Like right. what if the YouTube channel doesn't pay me even close to half of what I used to make and all this. So I think he will need to sign on somewhere to some degree. So I think that like, like a barstool sports or something like that. Like if he can, if he can go somewhere where he can be himself and do his yeah. own thing from his own house, but still be affiliated with a, like a big brand. And then, so like, you're not as concerned about the money fluctuation. Um, that's what I would, assume i'm assuming more in pro wrestling specifically wwe because he's always tweeting about the wwe at this point his kids clearly love the wwe so like that's what i'm guessing something like that i feel like though that like lately he's kind of fallen out of out of love with the sport like this the vibe that i'm getting he seems so much more disgusted by like guys getting like referee fights going on too long or guys getting sanctioned that shouldn't, or it just seems like he's more bothered by things than he used to be. And I mean, honestly, if you have beef with the number one company that does the sport, it's kind of hard not to be upset or bitter or whatever towards the sport. So if he can kind of just move on from that and just do something different, I wouldn't rule that out either. Like, yes, the sport is his bread and butter, no doubt about it, but he also has lost a lot of sources. He's burned bridges. Like, I don't know. I don't know what his future is. I, I also think it's a possible, a small possibility because once again, the UFC, like if you want to be covering the sport, like you want that access with the UFC, but like I could see him signing with Bellator maybe like, yeah. you know, Bellator could give him a real good analyst slash commentator slash interviewer. In general. He could do boxing. He's been promoting <laughs> yeah. boxing too. So he right. can start to get involved in boxing. Um, and and then, honestly, maybe he might be able to do both. He might be able to do like a Mauro Inalo where he can do WWE and Showtime. You like know him I mean? and Mauro would be a great like commentary team, the two of yeah. them. I mean, like, so I'm interested. I think he'll wind up doing more. Like, I know I've mentioned MMA on point before, and it's because I used to work over there. And I know that they have a couple ties to him, too. And, like, I don't think I, – I, I not nothing against MMA on point. I just – it's hard for me to – once again, I know so much about their company. It's, it's yeah. hard for me to imagine they could afford a guy like him. But I think that it's possible if Ariel wants to ramp up his YouTube – that you see him collabing with channels like MMA on point and maybe some of the other big YouTube channels and trying to, you know, cross pollinate these fan bases over to his YouTube channel also. So like, I think he'll have more of a YouTube presence and more of a digital presence again. And that, and that's at the end of the day, that's what made him, him to begin with was him starting the MMA hour as a, as an internet show. And before the word podcast was even like a thing. I think the biggest thing though, that really made Ariel relevant relevant to me was just like, if you needed answers, Ariel got you answers. If you wanted to know what was going on, Ariel would find out what was going on. If he's not able to do that anymore, that's going to be a problem because it's not necessarily his charm anymore. That's going to get it, get him through. Like he was the guy that got all the, the sources. If, if Ariel said it happened, it happened. It was confirmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Well, that's so, still the that's still the case. Like he's still batting a thousand on the news. He just doesn't get nearly the volume of like right. him being the one breaking the news. I know I totally know what you mean. Yeah, right. Um, and based on the story, right? Because if like if it's about Dana, he's not going to get it confirmed. But right. back in the day, Dana would be like, "Yeah, this is what's going on." Like, and it's not just Dana; it's Ali and all of his fighters. Yep. And I mean, there's yep. there's a lot of them. So, and that's a big deal because Ali has like everybody. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And he has a lot of the champions and a lot of the number of contenders. And I mean, they're so, you know, I'd like to see Ariel involved more in the NBA because I know he loves that, but that's hard to imagine considering like that was with ESPN. Yeah. Um, so um I'm interested though. I mean, I'll I'll be a fan of, of whatever he does, but it's it's gonna be very, very interesting because he's also gonna set somewhat of a precedent for pretty much anyone who works for a big media company. Cause if, if he leaves and he's successful on his own, you're going to see that happening way more often with the, with anyone that you might like from like sports center or anyone that you might like from any big media outlet where like they see someone like Ariel and go like, okay, I was getting paid this much from this outlet, but I had to like, you know, I had to deal with this, 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 and this. And like, I only got this percentage of this, 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 and this. But he's doing this all on his own with no middleman. And like, I have a following. I could probably do that too. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and and that's why outlets like you were just referring to are probably so worried because they're realizing that the for a very long time, you know, the only way to even get any of this stuff out there was like you had to be on TV. Like you yeah. had to be with a network. But now that's just the more people, the more that people cut cords and the more that people realize that like most of the news you're getting, whether it's like news, news or sporting news or whatever, like it's all tainted and manipulated yep. to, to support the narrative of whatever the outlet is. Yep. Like you're, people want real, like people yep. want real people talking to them. Like they're also real people. They don't want these talking heads that are I just pushing this, a narrative. Uh, this YouTuber Skywalker Steel, he's a he's just a Cowboys YouTuber, but he has like really good overlays. Like his quality's really good, and he had like one of the backup cornerbacks on his show, Brian McCann. And like, dude, it's such a better interview than anything they say in the locker room. Like the locker room is like this, like program jargon garbage that like they're not really going to answer any questions. But then, like, behind the scenes, oh, you want to know what happened with that play? Let me tell you. So we got the call in here, and, like, they told me to go on this side, but I ended up going on this side. I was completely gassed out. I lost my legs. I couldn't continue on. I would have got a touchdown or whatever. You know, or like, you don't understand how big of a leader Dak is. He's next to me in the locker room. Like, the, the connection that he has with all, everybody and, like, how, I'll talk to Dak way outside of here you know i'll just text Dak if i need advice or whatever like he is a leader in that whole locker room to all the players like you don't get those type of answers with corporate media garbage and so like that's the type of stuff where it's like you're starting to find out and and honestly that's what helped ariel right with the mma hour 100 percent. it wasn't like some post fight behind the scenes stuff it was like a breakdown and like like Connor, the first introduction to Connor McGregor was on Ariel Hwani's MMA Hour. Like, and and basically, Ariel found out he was getting some buzz, and he's like, "I need to have this guy on the show." And then, 
it helped all these prelim fights and all this stuff. If the two prelim guys were going at it on the MMA hour, like all of a sudden I want to see that fight. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. He I mean, definitely left a, a stamp with, with his legacy and everything like that. I just personally, I just think all good things come to an end. And I feel like that when the MMA hour died and he might try to bring it back, I feel like he's definitely going to try to bring it I back. Think, well, I, think Vox, I think Vox media still owns the rights to like the actual name and everything. Unfortunately, yeah, it won't be called MMA, right. hour, but it'll be like the right. same format, same, you know, um, I think that, that that's what he'll try to do. But at, like at the end of the day, all good things come to an end. Yeah, and something else I love so much about his show in the early days too is you had moments like, like when Overeem came on his birthday. birthday party. Yeah, I mean like, like, like I that's kind of and that's the kind of stuff you will never get off of like Fox or ESPN or like whatever. I mean like it's just not you don't get that kind of insight into like having like like a hangout like that. Like it's it's or so like the the CM Punk visited his house. No one ever got an interview out of Punk like that. He used to do a yearly CM Punk interview. Yeah. It used to be a big deal every year. Or and just remember any of the in studio guests. If it was like an in studio guest, he gave them like an hour and it was like yeah. in depth. Like I remember the Jorge Masvidal one. And that was like one of the most like I had ever seen his personality and stuff. And I'm like, man, why is this guy not a star? Like he is He's different, you know. I, I'm, I'm real. I'm probably the best example of that for me was when Cain Velasquez came on because he was yeah. coming when he came on when he was trying to make the transition into pro wrestling. Yeah, and and I was sitting there going, "Wait, Cain Velasquez is actually like a pretty well spoken, like, yeah. like, you know, like this is actually like I knew he obviously I knew he knew English, but like but he's he not like a me. robot. Right. He was he always came off like a robot to me in the UFC, and then he came off like a robot to me in the WWE as well because he was clearly reading something. But when right. when he was on Hawani's show, it was like, oh, this guy's like funny and like like really gets wrestling. Like he's talking about being a fan of Lucha Libre and like having all these influences and like how important the masks are. And it's like this guy, like I'd love to hear more from this guy. Like yeah. not, not the robot I'm used to hearing. And, and um, well, there was like Hawani and Heyman, like that, that was yeah. a classic stuff. Like there's just a lot of good stuff that he did. So I'm not, I'm not here to crap on him at all. Like he, he definitely became the main vocal piece of news and, source for mma and took it he really helped the sport like 100 oh, yeah. percent. he really helped the sport the i just, Heyman interview I, is the classic one where he talked about how he almost went to tna and was yep, gonna all that get, get rid of like, anyone he was able to get us even like wrestling news mm -hmm. and break that which the first the, the first undertaker the undertaker scene that was huge that was huge that basically set up wrestlemania and no yep. one really talks about the first interview i ever saw Hawani do was with kurt angle I mean, yeah. like, I mean, that's, I mean, so he's always been kind of integrated into the wrestling community. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's had some great wrestling interviews throughout the years too, a hundred percent. And and some of his beefs too, like with Rampage and Diaz <laughs> and, and Tito. And like, I mean, like, it's all part of it. Like, like I said, at the end of the day, like he's definitely helped the sport. I just, I feel like the sport has kind of passed him by and I feel like he's kind of, he's kind of ready to move on, but we'll see what happens. When At also, least the like, UFC. When also like, I know you don't want to like ever become irrelevant in, yeah. in the space, but like it would also probably do him some good just to take like a break. Yes. You know, like, I mean, he's been going nonstop at this for 
over a decade, like yeah. as like just the, I mean, he wins reporter of the year, journalist of the year every single year. I mean, and, and as he should, but it's like, it's like, it, it would be really great for him to just like, you made all this money with ESPN. You got this beautiful family. You got all this stuff to show for all your success. Like take off like a month or two, just disappear from like the yeah. internet completely for like two months and just, yeah. just enjoy your family, enjoy your success and then come back like rejuvenated. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. No, I'm with you there. All right. Well, well, that'll close it out. <laughs> um, Love you, Ariel. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Props to you, Ariel. Thanks for all your contributions and we'll wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Um, with that being said, uh, anything you want to promote, Stephen? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what's next. Today's today's Tuesday. Um I'll probably have a live chat with Jesse this week. It'll probably, it'll either, it probably won't be tomorrow. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but I think we'll probably do Friday because I haven't heard back from her in a couple hours. So I'm, I'm going to guess we're probably going to do Friday this week, me and Jesse. That's youtube.com slash J S S I D A V I N, Jesse Davin. Um, I'll be live on the Fightful um, Twitch channel on Thursday for Impact Wrestling. So that's twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. We'll be doing our weekly Impact Watch Along. I've got the watch along for UFC, which is headlined by Korean Zombie and Dan Ige. That's going to be on Fightful's YouTube channel this Saturday. I'm really looking forward to that fight. Um, so that's once again YouTube uh, slash Fightful. Oh, on Thursday, I don't know when it'll release. On Thursday, I'm interviewing MLJ, who's the um, who's the ring announcer and one of the commentators for GCW. Yeah. Um, so me, him, and John Mosley, who's my regular co-host for my MMA show, um, me, the three of us are going to do a, a podcast on Thursday that we're recording. Just talk. We're just going to shoot the shit about indies for probably like an hour or two. Cool. So I'll release that at some point. That'll be on the Fight Talk podcast feed. I know this takes forever to plug all this stuff. Fightful Select Weekender podcast. Check that out. That's FightfulSelect.com. Um, it's a busy man. Yeah. And then and anything else I do, I'll just plug I'll just plug on Twitter. Uh, Fight Talk underscore FIGHT. TLK underscore. If you want to watch Independent Wrestling, watch IWTV.live. He's good. Fight Talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I'm going to an indie show on Friday. Hope it's all right. The Renegade Wrestling something or whatever. Um, Ace Austin is on the main event. So that should at least be good. And uh, I'll see how that goes because that's where a lot of these shows are happening at. So hopefully I have a good time. Hopefully Bill doesn't look at me sideways <laughs> and just be like, I can't believe you dragged me out here. You know that um, uh, that new Texas company is on IWTV. Their catalog is on there. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot, honestly. Um, I'll have to look into it. But um, where this is at is where the GCW show will be as well. So I kind of wanted to get my feel of the venue and stuff like that before I had to go to the GCW show, just so I kind of know like, okay, where's the best place to sit. And if I had to redo this, like this is where I'd want to be and stuff like that. So um, hopefully everything goes good. Like I said, I haven't been to indie show in a long time, so it should be fun. And uh, I'll tell you guys how it went next week. <laughs>